scare, entice, and invite children into the underbelly of life as we know it. Come on a journey with the Literary Licensed Podcast as we explore in our Season 7 retrospective of Dark Family Films as part of our two-for-one. Your license podcast and his dark families week we'll be discovering two family films and this week we're doing breadwinners and the clock the house with the clock in its walls and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got vicky ray with us hello vicky hi guys got davide cavallo with us hello davide hi everyone and joe randazzo hello joe hey everyone and i'm your host kishago before we get started let's find out what we've been up to starting with you davide what have you been up to since last time we saw you Gosh, okay, so that's been the last two weeks. Easy. Uh, yeah, well, so I've been relaxing quite a lot, staying home uh, instead of working. Uh, I left, obviously, my previous company, so taking a little bit of time off, which is great, uh, after all the damage they've done, to be honest. <laughs> I'm currently still waiting for the final check of the references for my new job, which hopefully will start next week, but I still don't know. But fingers crossed. Um then I've been starting watching, I don't know if you know this, uh, it's a cartoon from Disney, it's called uh, Gravity Falls. It's I was going to watch that, I didn't get around to it yet. Was it good? I did. Yeah, I love it. It's. I started watching it long ago with my brother, but then I decided, okay, it's, it's time to watch it all over again. Um, it's about these two kids going to leave, I think it was in the summer period, with their grandparents, they're calling a grandcall. Oh, no, he's, he's actually an uncle, sorry. And gr- Grunkle, Grunkle because he's grumpy all the time. One. Yeah, I like that. Because <laughs> he's a very grumpy one. And then there are a lot of like supernatural funny things happening. And it's very lighthearted. I love it. Um, then last night, I- sorry, also, sorry. It's also the first um, LGBT um, animated family children. Really? Oh, how? I didn't it looks know. really I mean, good. I- it looks really lighthearted. I keep seeing trailers, but I just... I haven't gotten around to it. Me and Asher try to watch yeah. all that stuff, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. I didn't know it was a LGBT uh, themed. Yeah. I mean, I haven't noticed anything so far. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, maybe. Well, I don't think there should be a lot of differences. We all love our family, so everybody want to okay. watch, watch cool stuff. Maybe, maybe because the world, the woman who does it is a lesbian. It's probably just because of that. I could, when I watched, I didn't see anything. In I don't know. I love, because she's a lesbian. What's that got to do? <laughs> Well, I think that, I think because she is, I think, I think that's the reason why it's being labeled. But when you watch it, I didn't see anything like that in it, so I don't know. It's it's like the it's like the Bob. <laughs> We're so quick Bob to Bob label these days, God. 
Yeah, it's like the Babadook. I mean, the Babadook, for some reason, because uh, Netflix once mislabeled it as an LGBTQ horror movie, and the makers of Babadook, Babadook embraced it. Yeah, they mislabeled it once, and people just embraced it as an LGBTQ horror movie. Well, I don't. I don't. Is it LGBTQ? I didn't see. I don't. I don't feel like it is. No, it was just I'm... about a little boy I thought had an active imagination with a serious monster downstairs. I love that movie too, actually. I, I, I think I think it's more about the, the mom actually being the monster. To me, it's a reason not to have kids. <laughs> There's always good reasons not to have kids. Trust me. Like, to me, it's like the number one anti-family movie you ever want to have. <laughs> See, that kid is fucking horrible. <laughs> you want kids? Watch this. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. You know, it's 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 one of those moments when somebody's like, "Oh, I'm pregnant," and you're supposed to say, "Oh my god, congratulations!" Instead, you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I don't know anymore. I had a fuck moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what one you... one girl one girl that recently quit my job told me she was pregnant right before she quit, and my and like my response, I didn't know whether to say congratulations or what. I was just like, "Oh, okay, well, all good right. for you." God, it's so hard to be pregnant and wait on tables, though. It's so it just your whole body just gives out after. All. <laughs> Trust me. Oh yeah, I, I know. I know one woman who uh, actually big swell. Last, last time I worked, uh, last time I'm going to work with her after like 11 years because I'm no longer working on the days she's working. Uh, but yeah, she's. I, I've seen her work through two pregnancies, and man, she wow. kept. Going she was ready. Just make it look easy. They just do. Well, yeah, th- th- this this particular woman is uh, tough as nails, and she's uh, she's something else. But yeah, I, mean, I just talked to her last night because I'm like, oh, wait a minute, you're not working Thursdays anymore. Well, I'm not working Wednesdays anymore. I'm like, after 11 years, it's a big hug. I'm like, this is the last time we're going to uh, work together. Was it that long? You worked there for 11 oh. years? Yeah, I'm down to two no days shit. a week. shit. I didn't know you worked there that long. Thank God, you're just like, like a staple there at that point. I am. Uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of people refer to me as that. Yeah, so, they probably miss you. I'm sure. I'm sure your customers miss you too. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, um, what I do when I go to gender reveal parties, I give people a copy of the Blu-ray of Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it again because right? I didn't get that. Don't get pregnant and have children. Feeling oh, look, just the little kid is just insane. Yeah, he's a little dead. Constantly screaming and throwing tantrums. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I forgot. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs ha- uh, hosted it last year. You should check it out uh, through that. Yeah, I will because his commentary is funny as hell. So I'm going to have to show find that episode now. I didn't know That's he did the best. Funny. He 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 got the same thing I did from it as far as uh, as far as the the subtext of the movie. So uh, it's interesting to see if you feel the same way. Uh, if you you watch it and watch his theory. Of, of what was it last what, season? Uh, yeah, it was the most recent season. It was last season he did mm. that. Okay, I'll have to find yeah, he that. did it the Mother's Day special. Oh, oh, okay. Well, there you have it. Okay, so I guess he's kind of right. <laughs> a Mother's Day special. Mm. So, what else have you been up to, David? Anything else? Uh, well, yesterday I watched B movie. Last night, I, ne- I never watched it before. Oh, the B movie. I love the B movie. The cartoon, for- right? That, it was interesting, don't get me wrong, but I think it was kind of like a remade version of Anne Z. Don't know if you have watched that. It was very, Could very be. good. One. It 
Good it made me feel like it was like a kind of like remade version of NC, but it was like focusing on the bees rather than the ants. But it was pretty much about like choices in life and jobs and stuff. Okay, I thought like, oh my god, this is perfect for this period for me because it know, was the bee movie, movie, like a Pixar movie. Is that what you're saying? Was that uh, it? Was uh, was I get? Well, am I getting you right? DreamWorks. No, 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 it's not. DreamWorks, okay. DreamWorks, yes, 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 yes. yes. And, and I love I all never, of their never, stuff. I I, never I will really watch any movie. cartoon that either one of them puts out. I love their cartoons. I, I, I don't I, care I'm what anybody same. hates. I'm pretty much the same. DreamWorks and, 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 and Pixar and obviously Disney. I love I watched, Pixar. I've tried to watch them all if I can. I love them. <laughs> and sometimes you can do comparison between the two because you have yeah. like certain movies with very similar... Well, like the, like the ants, you know, the ant movie is kind of similar to the bee movie, kind of, sort of. Yeah. I think I the like Disney version... I think Bugs Life. I, I think Bugs Life's a better movie. Yeah. Which one? Bugs Life was better than Ants, I think. I love a Bugs Life. I do so. I love all of them. Came out at the same time, weren't they? There was a while yeah. there where Parks was trying to go against Disney, so they would kind of go up against each other. Come out with the same kind of theme movies. And see yeah, who... they do that all the time. Like if, <laughs> you can find like online, look at the comparison and stuff. But yeah, that's always that's been happening since like forever. Because I, I remember Goodfellas and The Godfather Part Two. I was like ten years old when those two came out, and they and I remember being like, "Wait, are those ten year old me is like are those the same movie?" <laughs> but The Godfather Part One and Two, they didn't differentiate. Uh, oh no, Godfather, Godfather Three and Goodfellas not at the same time. Three, I'm sorry, I am a huge Godfather. Yeah, one and two were the seventies. Goodfellas, but Part Three sucked big balls. I am sorry, Sofia Coppola. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was supposed to be even Nona Ryder, wasn't it? But she dropped out to do something else. Robert I didn't know that. dropped out the last minute to do something else. So I did to... not know that either. So yeah, he kind of got fucked on that one. <laughs> but every, I mean, the thing is, is um, everyone that he had penciled in, a lot of them couldn't do it the last time, or something happened, or that's why it sucked. They didn't have those people to yeah. fall back on for strength in the movie. Well, to be honest, I don't know if Winona Ryder would have been better anyway, only because. I love Winona Ryder, but she does have a a definite acting style. She does. So, and I'm not quite sure if Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, um, Godfather would have done very well. <laughs> I don't know. If you know well, Talia I mean. Shire remains very strong in all three. Doesn't matter how shitty the movie is, she's just good in all three of them. I love. I watched her in a movie the other day, though, about being um, she was a housekeeper. Or she there? She was a groundskeeper or something. She just terrorized this family. What the hell is that called? Not the landlord, but like now I need to know what it is. Uh, I I actually tell you, Shire. Let me look it up. It is I, so I actually, good. Tell you, Shire. Shire. She's a psycho housekeeper. Or is I cannot remember that now. I only recently I learned it last it. month. Hang on, I'm gonna look up the movie that I'm talking about. I only recently learned about it where she is being stalked. Uh, by someone. I love Talia Shire as well. I think she's a crazy uh, housekeeper. She's a... Oh, God, that's making me nuts. I'm going to have to go watch it again. Oh, no, I can't find it. Yeah, I found a movie with her called Windows. It's directed no, by Gordon Willis. Huh? Now Windows. Oh, no, this is the one I'm talking about where she's apparently... Oh, uh, it's Windows? Well, no, this is a different movie. No, she's I know, but is it Windows the one you're talking about? She's apparently being stalked by her next door neighbor is the one that I'm talking about. That one's called Windows. Um, oh, cool. 
it's kind of a horror movie. It looks like I haven't seen it yet. I, I it just came on, on upon my. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what movie you're talking about. Is it more recent? Oh or is God, it older? is she the landlord? Or gosh darn it, she totally just she just abuses these people. The landlady. That's it. The landlady. <laughs> the landlady. Okay. 1998. Yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, because you want to. 1998. So what did it go direct to video? I, I don't know, but I wanted to throttle her by the end of the movie. She was just fucking that shit. <laughs> that's going on give my it, list. Give it a watch. Give it a watch. The you know, the, 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 the description you gave about this movie reminds me of like uh, one of the news that came out. I don't know how many years, maybe during COVID, I can't remember, that happened in Italy. And there was this landlady who was harassing this woman and her family living in the house. And that happened in Italy. The landlady was from North Italy and the family was immigrated from South Italy to North. So she was being racist. So it kind of reminded me of that thing that happened in Italy. And then you're really? describing Was that a real story over got... there? What? But did, she, did somebody really do that? Of course. There's a lot of racism between North and South, unfortunately, in Italy. But heavily. Yeah, I remember my parents talking about it. My mother's like Romano. And then we have Calabrese. And then my mother say, well, we do have Sicilians in the family, but we don't talk about them. Oh, my <laughs> that God. That was like 40 years ago. And I go, Man, oh, everybody oh. hates. Everybody hates. You know, Sicilian. the Neapolitans, Calabrese are okay, but the Sicilians aren't. Come on. <laughs> Napoleons. But the world is good Sicilians anyway because of um, the, the mother and Golden Girls. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Picture it. Sicily, 1912. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wouldn't I wouldn't let live there. My God, no. I love her. I'm so all of them are gone, weren't they? They're all gone. There is good oh, and bad in Italy everywhere, to be honest. A lot of good and a lot of bad, but it is four dollars and seventy-one cents. I'll just grab it now. Are you gonna buy the movie? Yeah, fuck You're it. such an impulse buyer. It's a good movie. It's really good. Well, I mean, it's $4.71. It's not like it's, you know. <laughs> you'll like it. I know you'll like it. If you like Talia Shire, you'll like it. I just saw, I've I, I never seen it before, but Riff Tracks, uh, Riff Tracks, uh, Riff, the movie Rad, and Talia Shire is in that as just the mom. Is that the and they were making, BM oh, they were wait, making... that's not, is that huh? the BMX movie Rad? That is the BMX movie, yeah. It is? <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I know the time when I got to watch that when Asher was racing. I just <laughs> loved that they, they well yeah Riff Tracks made fun of it and it, it's freaking hilarious. I just love that th that they're sitting there is like Talia Shire's like unpacking groceries and uh the, the inner monologue that the Riff Tracks guys had is, is I was in the Godfather and Rocky. Now I'm in this trash. <laughs> I know I mean you fall so far from Grace in Hollywood. I was watching like all these scary cheap ass movies that look like they were made with a cell phone on Tubi. You'd be surprised the people that just pop up in those things. I'm going, how the hell did they get that? Guy? You know, never know. That's their whole budget. I mean, that's, they did that's, try. What, that's what Dave and I have done in the past. You know, we had like. Well, I love those like lava lantula. That that was fucking hysterical. Well, was and it took lava me a lantula. while to find you, but there you were. I saw you like three or four times. Lava Angel is a sci-fi channel movie. That had a little bit of a budget. But Dave and I, when we made like Deadly Xmas and stuff, we'd have like 10 grand. And that most was of the, freaking hysterical. If you watch those of their movie, Deadly Xmas, I laughed my fucking ass most, off of that. Most of, our budget, most of our budget went to 
um, went to paying, you know, Linnea Quigley, Felissa Rose, Joe Estevez, and all those people. That's where like all our money went because we're like, okay, we need their names on the box so people yeah. buy the movie. It was so. great. It was it was so much fun. Asher loves La Valentula. I think uh, I've watched it three times. And then I had to watch Big Fat, Big Ass Spider like three times. I love so, Big Ass Spider too. I think Big Ass Spider. Fun. Fun. I didn't know that Lloyd Coffin was in it until I saw he was the jogger that gets killed. <laughs> yeah, he's like checking out some girl's ass or something, and then yeah. like the, the, the web comes down and pulls him up. I got my God, they got Lloyd in on this too. Actually, really, really sweet. I got a text from Lloyd the other day because we, we were just bullshitting back and forth, and uh, I told him, you know, I'm planning to planning to be in New York in uh, mid January, and he said, "Great, can't wait to see you. Love you, Joe." And I'm like, "Aw, cool beans. Love him too. He's a great guy. He really um, is nice. And if you are listening to this and you're a filmmaker uh, that's that's looking to start out, you cannot go wrong with Troma, man. They are going to work you to the bone for very oh. little money, but you're gonna you're gonna learn your stuff. <laughs> Well, what's cool about them is they actually look at your stuff and they will read it and they do return emails. He always returns emails. He's just a nice person. He just really is. Yeah, look mm -hmm. That's nice. <clears throat> but yeah, besides this, um, not much else I've done. I mean, I sometimes watch videos from a YouTube channel called, oh, I can't remember it now. It's basically about D Dungeon and Dragons lore. What's it called? Uh, that's the problem. I don't remember. He's trying to remember. Uh, <laughs> so th there's a channel on YouTube that I love. I mean, I'm, I love everything related to lore, mythology, and stuff. But then there's this specific one that I was watching today, Mr. Rex or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and it's about like Dungeon and Dragons lore. You can find everything that one and the way it describes it. It's just amazing. I love, I love lore and mythology and stories. So like, if you've got nothing to do. Give it a try, I guess. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, besides this, uh, the only other interesting things is that yesterday I've done my fifth day water fasting for the whole day. It's an interesting thing I do like once in a while. Like I don't eat anything for the whole day, just water. And I sleep. Oh, you're, you're fasting. You're just doing it right Only for fat. a day. Only for a day, just water. So it helps my brain to relax. I sleep better. It's really good I... for you too. Intermittent yes, fasting is very good for you. And you drop a lot of weight quick. Except Keith is not intermittent fasting. No, but it's it's just like sometimes fasting. I'm thinking about maybe I should do once a month or maybe once every two weeks or something. Because it's, it's really, really good, good for you. It's good for it you. It makes me deflate, like makes me feel like less bloated. And then it's good for the skin. It makes me feel more relaxed. It is? My brain is less foggy. I think it's all the crap food and then i mean i don't eat crap food but i'm fully convinced they're poisoning us <laughs> fully uh, convinced I, I i don't get me wrong i am so I, this is what i try, try to eat as, as good as i can well, i, I mean eat. just look at a box of whatever lipton noodles it's got five thousand freaking ingredients it can't be good for you and who needs trisodium phosphate which is industrial cleaner in cheerios why is that in cheerios i don't understand <laughs> I, I don't, I don't question anymore. If there's something that I don't like in the food that I don't understand, I'm like, I'm not eating this. <laughs> Simple. Five or less ingredients, unless I'm yeah, desperate. That, that's a good rule. Generally, that's a good rule. Um, yeah, this is, I guess, for me. What about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Working. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> working. I got, I got hired in another restaurant, which is why I 
well, people uh, uh, listening to this can't see that I got a haircut. And um, it looks good. <laughs> well, right right now there's nothing. It's just reaching for the sky right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, it still kind of looks so you. <laughs> I got a job at another restaurant, and I decided because I haven't heard from my. Uh, oh, all right. What the hell? Uh, one of the jobs that I've uh, that I've had is I recently started working on the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. They haven't come up with an official title for me lately, but that's one of the jobs that uh, that that I'm working. I'm working remotely for them, um, and I've been doing that since August. That's uh, you know I figure the episode where I'm going to uh, have my on-screen credit is going to appear in under a month. So at this point, yeah, I, make a- sure so we can screenshot it and brag on you. Oh, I will. I, I will definitely get the screenshot in. I will thank the guys that that uh, that helped me get the uh, help helped me get the gig. Um, so I've been working for them, doing uh, doing stuff remotely for them. I still kept my restaurant job, and then I uh, I got another restaurant job, and I decided to fast track my training at the new restaurant job because I hadn't heard anything back from Shutter because the season doesn't start until March. So I, right. <clears throat> I wasn't expecting to hear from them anytime soon. So I kind of put myself in a position where by fast tracking my training at the new job, I told them uh, to put me on all the days that I wasn't working at the other job. Oh no. So, <laughs> so from November 4th up until yesterday, I was working both restaurant jobs. Then the Saturday night, Saturday the 4th, I get an email from Shutter or from uh, my contacts at Shutter telling me that they need me to do some remote work and gave me the specifics of what I had to do. So now for the last two weeks, I was working a restaurant job every single night and then working, uh, doing remote stuff for uh, for the last drive in during the day. So up until a couple of days ago, I didn't have any time off because I, I was working mornings and night. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this last week it's been all, all the restaurant jobs finally fully trained at the new one. And I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be working there tomorrow night. Today is my only day where I don't, I have not been tasked with anything. So good to have a day off. Just mental yeah, health day. Since the third, uh, also, um, and this was kind of cool. And, uh, thank you to Anthony Padawano for this. I spoke to a, uh, I spoke to a film class at St. John's University on awesome. Wednesday. That was super cool. I never thought that was going to be something I was going to be. Go. At. It. Uh, I. I was. I was just going and like I. You know, I was nervous energy. But then when uh, when he of called course. me after it was over, uh, <laughs> he told me I did really really well and I was really helpful to the students. So I was like, okay. Cool. Oh, I bet you're so passionate about the things that you love that I bet you did a pretty good job. So, yeah, I thought that was, like, cool. All right. I never thought that was something that uh, that I would be uh, I would be tasked with. But I, I guess in the last couple of years, more and more, I've been getting more and more people pulling me into the education field. And I don't well, know. Inspiring if they- new filmmakers is a cool thing, don't you think? What if you were just that spark that that one kid needed to go on and be one of the biggies? You never know, you know? You know what? If, the, if that's the case and that kid ends up, making uh you know one of those kids ends up making something great and i would be super happy to know that i had a i had a hand in that even if it was something so minor it's just because i mean mainly my my thing was the fact because they're all producing a short film for their class and my main thing and i tell this to 
people when I when I'm at film festivals too. Like I uh, I did that film festival in Milwaukee. Every single year, whenever I do that film festival in Milwaukee, I always make sure to tell everybody who has a film there, no matter what you've done. Everybody, every single person that you meet, thinks they have a great idea for a movie. Everybody, bar none. Right. You actually went out and did it, and that's commendable beyond anything because anybody can say oh i have this idea i have this idea you went out and wrote a screenplay you went out and made a film you you know you you got the cameras together you got the lighting together you made something you made something tangible the you know the the guy who the guy who sits you down and says oh well i have this idea for this he ain't doing shit he hasn't done a fucking thing the guy who the guy who actually goes out there and actually makes it or actually attempts even if you fail even if the movie is the worst movie ever made it doesn't matter you made a fucking movie and it's a minor exactly. miracle anything made whether it's good or not <laughs> so and I, and that, and that's the thing that i told these kids i'm like at the you know a month from now you're turning in a film a month from now you can say you're a filmmaker because you've made a film so there thank you, you to, uh thank you to uh anthony padawano my old friend from high school uh thank you to uh saint john's university <laughs> this is such, this was such a cool thing like i just thought it was such a such a cool thing to have you speak to a speak to a production class but didn't think it would happen but here it, here it is that's great maybe it's a new chapter in my life too you never know uh, besides that i mean it's just been a lot of work uh it's just been like non-stop for the last two weeks i'm gonna kick back relax tonight enjoy uh enjoy a couple of old noir movies uh i don't know i'm looking at my shelf i don't know what it's gonna be yet but it's noir vember so it's uh, i'm, I'm noir vember and <laughs> um, what about yourself vix what have you been up to nothing really it's been kind of that, you know when it gets kind of dismal out and you really don't want to leave the house <laughs> kind of thing? Yesterday, 4.30 p.m., it looked like midnight out here. I'm I know. Like, oh, it's just like, it why do we still do this daylight fucking savings time shit? It gets nothing accomplished. Absolutely nothing. And it's just irritating. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what was I, I – speaking of noir, well, no, this is 1934. I mean, I guess it can count for that. It was a Betty Davis movie. It was an old one. It was called A Human Bondage. It just kind of popped up, but I've never seen it before. And I was like, wow, I was really kind of grainy. You know, it hadn't really been anything done with it. But she was like a real promiscuous uh, waitress in this. And it was just a, it was a really good story. It was kind of also dark. -code. It, was really, it was really cool. I liked it. I like finding those old movies. I just had no idea existed. So that was cool. And yeah, I watched it. Huh? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, good. You were gonna say something. I was gonna say, uh, I, I, it's pre-code then if she's uh, if she's playing a promiscuous waitress. I she's remember, a promiscuous. Remember... Well, I thought pre-code. Well, was was after was nineteen thirty four or did it come before? I can't remember. Nineteen thirty four is when the code started, so this was probably early thirty four then. Yeah, probably before the hate. But it's code called a human in. bondage. It's really quite good. She was a little Spitfire back in the day. Oh and yeah. I I watched this weird-ass movie called The Platform. It was a prison. I told Keith to watch it. It was kind of like level 16, Keith. You remember that movie? Yeah. It was sort of kind of like this. And all these people are on this level, and they share this open space. And it goes from 
the top floor all the way down to level. Oh, I watched that movie. I remember. Did you? Was that fucked up or what? And the whole thing is these people. It's about human greed and corporate greed and things like yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. I thought they were trying to get across. But these people are in prison. Some of them put themselves in there to get a degree, and they get stuck in this place. But the the food comes down from the top level, and that's all anybody gets. So you have to eat before you know the platform goes away until it goes all the way down to 300. And those are some crazy motherfuckers down there doing cannibalistic shit because they ain't eating. So you have people eating other people and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But it was really a fucked up movie. I couldn't stop watching it. It was really interestingly weird. And then I watched um, Vindica. Vindica, I can't say it. Vindica? Vindica? And that was about a paramedic that gets caught in this weird kind of shifty shit. I don't know. It's just one of those human thriller drama things. But that was good. Um, I watched Itsy Bitsy. It was about a spider. <laughs> Itsy Bitsy spider. <laughs> I hate Perfect. spiders. And I, every, you know, there is a never ending cornucopia of horror spider movies. You just can't get enough spiders in anything. Oh, spider movies everywhere. Oh. But uh, that that I got a kick out of that. Watch Tamara of the Gods. You might like that. Gavade. That was about uh, some Viking god action kind of thing. And then I watched Waco. It was a five-parter. If I didn't like the ATF at all, I really don't like them now. But um, that was really interesting. What we didn't know, what happened when all that was going on. Because I was here in that, when that happened, in that windy day. And uh, I remember watching that live on TV and uh, it was, it was just really interesting. You never heard the branch Davidian side of it and how they really, I mean, what was going on in there wasn't right, but what the ATF did major fuck up, bad fucking up. Is this but, a recent uh, thing or is this, huh? did this come out in the nine? Did this come out in the nineties or is this 2000, a I want to say 2017 for this one. Not oh, the one, there's another one. There's several, but this is on Peacock or Paramount, one of them. And there's one on, it's streaming on Showtime now. It's called Aftermath. Got the same guys in it. Uh, oh. The main character, one of the main characters, who's that guy that played in um, the water movie? Uh, he was the crazy mean guy that tried to keep the mermaid in the tank. Oh, God. Ooh, what was his name? The, um... What is that guy's name? He's oh my god, I hate it when I can't remember an actor prominent actor's name. Anyway, it was a really good series and it was really kind of it showed the side that like how the, the government and then you know they kept feeding this information about what was going on just so they could go in there and get their guns is what it basically boiled down to. So um anyway, well what it was is ATF got a really bad rap for shooting that woman to death at Ruby Ridge and this they come down to Waco because they wanted to make an example out of the Branch Davidians because they looked really bad because of Ruby Ridge, but that didn't do so well because then you had somebody got pissed off like what's his face, uh, LeBay, Timothy McVeigh, the Murrow builder, the the building up in Oklahoma as retribution for Waco. So it all tied in. It was just really interesting. Yeah, it was just a really okay. It was written by the ATF agent that got fired because of his speaking out, and the FBI guy who was the negotiator. It was really, really interesting. I've never seen a take like that before, but it's like three or four years old and it just kind of popped up. But other than that, doing things for Christmas, and 
I guess we're starting to buy little things for Christmas because Christmas is going to be tight this year. It's going to be real tight this year. Thanksgiving but, kind of snuck up on me. I, I didn't realize it's next week. Well, Thanksgiving, I know. No shit. I haven't gone shopping yet. So I got to get a few things, I guess. But about you, Keith? Life's just pretty normal here. Nothing. Um, as I said previously in the previous show, we um, went to see the Disney 100 plus um, birthday celebration exhibition. Excellent. It's traveling around Europe at the moment, and there's another one traveling around the States. Yeah, you said it was going to be here in Dallas, what, March or something? Yeah. March, April time, I believe. Um, I highly it's suggest for tornado season. the whole hundred years. So you see everything from the Steamboat Willie all the way up. It also covers Marvel and Star Wars and all that same time. But it also covers like, you know, the way that we see movies today has a lot. We have to thank Disney a lot because they developed and created stereo sound and surround sound. Yeah. And, you know, and help, you know, with Technicolor and so on and so forth. So it's quite interesting, actually, from a filmmaker. They were pretty groundbreaking, though, when you look back at their history, you know, they they were very groundbreaking. They are. I mean, we have we have computer generated animation because of them, really. Pixar started that whole craze off. You know, they started that off with Toy Story, didn't they? Before that. Yeah. 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 Was that their first one? What was yeah. it? Was was Toy Story for Pixar's first deal? For first um motion picture. They motion they were doing picture. Okay. Work. They were doing shorts, I know that. So um so that was interesting. Um and then been watching, you know, catching up on what we what we do in the shadows because the new season Oh, I watched that. Oh my god, I was dying 20 minutes into the movie. I watched the movie first and I'm like two episodes deep into the other one. Laugh my fucking ass off. It's one of the best series ever. And they do it like a documentary, like a reality show. And that's just the funniest fucking part of it. Oh, my God. It's hysterical. Well, the funny thing about the female in it, I can't remember her real name, but she lives two blocks down the street from us. We were walking down the street and she's coming out of her house. And no, Ferris is like, oh, my God, it's her. (laughs) A lot of people in your neighborhood. Yeah, we do actually. So, um, but so that was quite good. So, and um, sort of catching up on that, and we're, I'm, you know, trying to finish off by the Concords as well because I really like that series as well. But um, other than that, not a lot. Going to go see Thanksgiving on Sunday night. Got tickets for that. And is that releasing already, or is it this weekend, or is it? It's out. It's out today. It is out. Okay. Yep. I gotta find out where it's playing. I gotta go see. Great reviews in this country, so surprising. Great reviews here too, amazingly. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's good. Um, and outside of that, not a lot really. Um, working next week, got the following week off. Working two more weeks, got another week off. Working one more week, and then I'm finished. Finished so, forever there, and pick up new there, and then we start. About it, really. So you don't look and, really broken up over it. <laughs> well, I mean, the they people got you're gonna mess parties and everything like that. I mean, all the patients are coming and giving me gifts and cards. And it's quite nice, actually. Some, pe- some people, some people did like you. Yeah, some started crying. You mean thing. Like, stop, don't cry in front of me because I'm not very good with the emotion. I was like, but anyway, it was okay. Well, just think about all the people that won't commit suicide when you're gone. <laughs> And they go, 
can I hug you goodbye? I go, do you have to? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to be touched anyway. I have to think about being touched. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes. That's going good. But um, Davide will be sitting across from me when he when he starts work there. I, they tell me where his desk was be. So he's actually he working. Work there. He did get the job. Oh, you'll be able to torment him all day. No, no. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Is Keith going to mentor you on the lack of kindness you should display towards people who are having crippling anxiety disorders? <laughs> the, team, the, team that he, the team that he worked with, all they did, all he, all they do is laugh at me all day long because I'd be like. <laughs> Occasional call up, I go, they're like, you know, they're asking me a question about like, I don't know, their x-rays, about their appointment. I go, I don't have any idea about your x-rays. I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with me. Why don't you? I go, it's a bit like asking about your milk at the meat counter at this grocery store. I go, I can't help. <laughs> How long have you been working? <laughs> wow. But. Yeah. So that that's interesting in itself. Winter's here, of course. So um, you know, it's a bit colder now, and it's dark when we leave, and dark when we get home. So yeah, oh, it's so gloomy. It's, but it's nice to have this weather. I can't, I can't you believe like how much. I hate the gloom. No, I actually, I can't, I can't, I can't believe how much I miss this weather when it's all dark and then it's cold and you start covering up and you go to. I go dark, jump. If... I go jump in a tanning bed at least once a week. I get depressed if I don't have. <laughs> I hate it. I want. I think it's for me. I think it's more like sentimental memories because when I first moved to the UK, I got to experience darkness and cold that we not didn't have in Italy. So it's kind of like I don't know, like triggering good memories of like, oh, I moved away from Italy. I've got my new experiences in the UK. Blah blah blah. So it's kind of makes me feel like warm inside. I don't know. I like this word. I love the summer, but then I also like this darkness and this this cold for some reason. Plus, you know, the autumn. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, and on that note, that brings us to The Breadwinner, which is a 2017 animated drama film from Iris Animation Studio Cartoon Saloon, directed by Nora Twomey. Based on the best-selling novel by Deborah Ellis, the film was an international co-production between Canada, the Republic of Ireland, and Luxembourg, and received a limited release on the 17th of November, 2017. The film had its world premiere at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival in September. The breadwinner received a no nomination for Best Animated Feature at the 90th Academy Awards, but lost to Coco. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Breadwinner and be right back. When I was young, Padawana, I knew what peace felt like. Stories remain in our hearts even when all else is gone. Parana, were you listening at all? Yes, Papa. Why is this girl not at home? She should cover herself properly. Maybe you should stop looking at her. I can have you killed! I think business will pick up. If there are women Papa? present, cover yourselves now! Where is he being taken? To prison. Papa! It will be all right. My family is in a desperate situation. Sorry, child. Girl! Stop when I tell you! You're Parwana! 
Shasia? When you're a boy, you can go anywhere you like. I'm going to find Boba. No, you're not. I'm going! There's nothing you can do to stop me! Maybe if we think of it like a story, huh? Is it a happy story or a sad story? Just wait and see. Hello, welcome back to Literature License Podcast, and we're discussing the breadwinner for 2017. And starting with you, Davide, what are your thoughts about the breadwinner? Mm, well, so I never watched this animation before. I was really, really impressed, and I really liked it. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit biased for cartoons, but I really liked it. Um, it touched me quite deep inside, I have to say. So the story is quite sad, um, but it's called, I think, Good Things that I'm... I don't want to say I relate, because obviously I don't relate at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky in my life. But um, I, <laughs> I, I I started tearing up a bit. Um it's a, I think it's a must watch. It touched me deep inside. Um, if the the main things and topic I think that they I, I've got really really touched by is first of all sort of the trauma of the whole situation because obviously you know have the main character who has to deal with you know the father taken away, the violence against the mother and the family is kind of like destroyed and and you know by the by the Taliban. Um, overruling and everything and then the fact the 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 gender as well um theme which was quite uh quite a difficult one to face and the fact that she changed gender and hate the fact that she was a girl just to help the family was i think an act of bravery especially in a country that was overruled they do like their girls that way i started reading about it and i i was really i felt oh, yeah, stupid you... that i didn't realize that, that that actually goes on and i don't blame them i would probably make my daughter look like a boy too yeah but it's it's sad and unfair i mean to be honest i mean to, I, I mean we 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 started at least in, in the european culture that we got the the right for vote for women in the uk etc cetera, etc cetera, which is great but then we don't realize in 2023 for example where we like oh yeah female power feminism which i, I agree anyway but then there's the rest of the world who's still left behind and well, what are we actually doing to help these people yeah. and it's a bit sad and then this person had to go all the way out of our comfort zone to something that she could have been killed probably for just to help the family survive, because obviously the mother and the sister couldn't even leave the house because they weren't alone. They weren't accompanied by anyone. What did you think of her coping mechanism? Do you notice how she was coping with the trauma and she was bringing up the the elephant story and how that story kind of escalated as her story escalated? The the side, I think, was beautiful. The fact that I, I got the theme of the importance of you know, facing the problem from a different perspective, don't get me wrong. I mean, the storytelling, the mythology, the lore, let's call it that way, was a kind of yeah. way to her, to face the fact that, you know, her brother died and then facing the elephant king. I think yeah. it was a representation of the war, maybe. And then the, 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 the brother died and that's, you know, and it's not the only trauma, to be honest, that she faced. She would obviously, you know, the, the fact that she had to take a bigger responsibility taking over the family sort of, even though That's she was a big just a younger, responsibility for a nine-year-old yeah. girl. Too. And then the father jailed, and the fact that you're a woman, you worth nothing, and 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 in and in that in that sort of um, a Taliban culture, culture. Um, you know, it's the 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 trauma 
coping mechanism. I think it was very, I think it was complex, complicated because she had that storytelling, telling others, and by telling others, she was kind of like facing the issues and facing the memories and sort of like reimagining the story and retelling herself the way things went and to accept it. By the same time, she had bigger troubles to deal with, so she had to carry on anyway. Instead of like, obviously, we are lucky in, in the Western world because when we have a trauma, we can kind of face it and do some therapy and talking about it and getting over it and having sad bad days when you're like, oh, I'm not feeling very well, etc. People understand yeah. whether she didn't have all that luxury. She just had to just carry on, carry on and carry on. Even if you have trauma, you just have to do it and do it. And that's sad because she didn't even have, you know, any any support anyhow everything came from herself you know from inside like the duality of the two stories though and how they intermingled yeah. that was kind of cool how they did that i really enjoyed it. It, it, it was it was quite quite hardcore because at the same time also you had the war in the background and i think it was i, I don't know if it, that was, was just starting i believe this was right before the afghan i think this is right before 9 11 is what i read and this so i think it's then they started before- seeing the planes yeah. If it's before 9-11, then it must be the war against the Soviet Union, I think. Could it be? Well, not, this is after the Soviet and war. I think I think the war that's starting towards the end of the movie, I think, is post 9-11. I think the I think maybe the movie starts oh. before 9-11. Yeah. Because yeah. the war with the Soviet, the war with Afghanistan and the Soviet Union would have been in like the 70s and 80s, I think. Well, this was supposed right. to have okay. been going on, it said from the 80s, 90s, and the Taliban had just started doing this 20 years prior and then at that that it was supposed to be pre 9-11 and then that's when it started seeing the planes apparently that was i like how they they just kept the story focused on the family though it didn't bring all the politics in so they just great up with it it deals with the i mean all this stuff kind of happened i mean they were quite a modernized well a modern society as far as women used to be free until the taliban got there yeah, well, well, it's like Iran in the seventies, you know, until the Ayatollah, yeah, the quote unquote revolution. You have to, but you have to remember the reason why, you know, you have to look at a political setting. The reason why people these kind of regimes take over is normally to a huge recession or depression, where people <laughs> eat or feed themselves for a vacuum. Right. So and um and so what happens is like well of course if we go back to you know family, family values religious values this will help us rise up again and you know exactly. and that's what always happens religion Every- strikes again <laughs> you know and and you know I mean we're all start- we're st- I mean the thing is is um in the country here and I've noticed in America at the moment these things are starting to bubbling up to the surface again about the family values and let's get back to base, you know, and all this other stuff is starting to bubble to the surface again. Um, which, you know, the problem basically is, is that maybe if everyone just stayed somewhere in the center, maybe everything would work out. Maybe if, mind, if everybody minded their own fucking business. <laughs> How about that? You, you can actually, you can see that and I don't want to get into politics now, but you can see that there's a wave of right and wing conservatives, maybe a little bit more extreme toward all over Europe, especially after COVID, after you know the the war in Ukraine. It's kind of a lot of countries going a little bit more right wing. The reason, uh, the, right the, wing is, 
but the reason but the reason behind it is because you know we are in a time at the moment where people are having difficulty buying food where the difficulty time people are buying buying heat we're having people who can't pay their electric bill you got people who are being kicked out of their houses because they can't afford their home because there's a bunch of shithead globalists running the world right now there you go that's it in a nutshell nothing to do with heat. it's not just globalists i mean to be honest i mean i think the reason why things are worse now than normal i mean covid was probably i mean you know the isolation during covid and lockdown I mean, to be honest, when every when the government was giving all those checks around, every I don't think anyone expected that that that's going to have to be paid back at some point. Yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks if it's free, it's for me. Someone's got to work for it. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's the reason why we got huge inflation at the moment, and you know, and and, and a bunch of other stuff that's happening politically. There, there's, also, there's also this ridiculous notion that you you have to that that you can't pay workers anymore. You're not paying. You're not paying people enough, but you're raising the prices. On, uh, like it's un, it's it's, it's unmanageable. Awful. It's awful. If you're, if you're not willing to pay us for our for our labor, how are we supposed to keep buying your products? Everybody wants to keep breaking record profits, but yeah. they don't want to pay any workers what they're worth. The thing is, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. And what eventually? That's not sustainable. Because how how am I supposed to buy your product if you're not willing to pay me for the work that I'm putting in? But but maybe the best thing for us to do is maybe not buy as much product, or at least not buy it from China. Maybe if everybody started, you know, we we are in a we're in a society at the moment that basically (laughs) what we do is we buy, replace, buy, replace, buy, replace. We consume. Sustainable, yeah. if, you at, if you look at Apple, let's take Apple for instance. Oh my God, Apple! People who are people who buy Apple products are pretty much stuck at the moment because basically you're buying something that's got a like two to three year lifespan because they'll sl- they'll slow down your system so two to three years later. Yes, yes, they do. Price and they you know and it keeps going that way and that way and they're not the only company doing it either. I mean, yeah, they all do it. Like but that's Microsoft, that's a good that's a good example. Microsoft, Microsoft sits there and um you know updates their you know system every oh, two years. By the time the fourth or fifth year comes along, your computer starts basically can't start you know dealing with the new apps coming out for the new system. Uh, so sort you- of like getting a computer with the uh, the Windows eleven. I noticed that my other laptop was fighting because it wanted it to update to Windows eleven. My old la- Windows ten laptop would not update. So what did it do? It continued to crash until I had to buy another one. I hate them guys. I hate them. Oh, they do it on purpose. No, well, but this, this is this is oh, sorry, sorry. For instance, Netflix is a system that okay, uh, they made record numbers during COVID because everyone's stuck in they had they need the watch, they need content to watch and they keep raising their prices. And you know, and you know, Disney's done it, all all the streaming. But then you look at it, it's like Think about it, really. Why are they raising their prices, really? Because at the end of the day, it's not costing them any more to run no, their service. No, it's not. It's profit. It's profit. It's not. They're greedy. Well, they're all greedy. ourselves, but we also, but the problem is with us as consumers, we've now trained ourselves that 
No, we don't want to watch something week by week anymore. No, we want to see stuff that's commercial free now. So we're not watching network anymore. It's like we want to see everything through a streaming service. Yeah. And so well, we back ourselves that way as well so we're all kind of all guilty in a world way because we we're kind of going along with this and perpetrating all this well there's also a little bit a little bit the, the streaming services are their answer to online piracy because everyone was pirating movies and they were like well how, how you know the internet you're not going to stop piracy because by the time no. by the time you catch that a movie's been pirated wherever it's For already a been a million times over but if you if you pay me for my streaming service, you could watch any of my movies whenever you want, and it's it's again partly our our fault because we didn't want to watch ad supported TV. We didn't want to watch. We didn't want to pay for cable anymore. We didn't want to buy DVDs and Blu-rays anymore. Well, that money is going to have to. They're not going to just lose that income. No. without figuring out some way to do it so what no. what's that way to do it we start phasing out physical media because you know what now that i think of it i don't want you to buy that dvd for twenty dollars and keep it or blu-ray for twenty five dollars and keep it on your shelf forever i want you to pay me 14.99 a month for the rest of your life to watch this content and the content that i put out now is shit because i'm because i'm putting very little money into it yeah. and i don't want to but if I can keep you, if I can keep you locked into giving me fifteen dollars a month for the rest of your life with the illusion that you're that you know you're saving money somehow, you're not. Most most people who who subscribe to streaming services don't watch everything that's coming out. They uh, what was the, the biggest thing on Netflix the last couple of years has been rerun has been people watching and rewatching Friends over and over again. I don't get friends. I know. I just cannot. Whether or not we get friends is besides the point. Whether or not we get friends is besides the point. You're paying $14.99 a month for this service, and all you're doing is watching this TV show from the 90s over and yeah, over and over. Over and over. You're not getting nothing. It doesn't give well, a shit if you don't watch their new product. But it's a Big Bang Theory as well. Yeah, Big Bang yeah. Theory is another one. But But the thing is, that $14.99 a month or whatever the hell you pay for Netflix now, if you go to Amazon and uh, look up Friends, uh, you know, complete series, you'll probably find yeah. it for like 25 bucks. You put it on your shelf. You cut, you can cut Netflix. Have right it anytime up. you want. Yeah. But they don't want you to do that anymore. They would rather you keep paying incrementally for the over rest of Over and over, watch the same bullshit over and over. Any, you'll never own it. You'll have yeah. to, you, it will be yours to stream as long as you keep paying for it. But the thing is, if you make that, and this is this is another, but this is another sad thing about it. If you go to someone go listen, you can buy, you know, all nine seasons of Friends. I think it's nine, nine or ten seasons of Friends. You, you can get this. You can get it for you know, twenty quid or five to twenty quid. Right. You know, used probably on eBay even cheaper. And they go, yeah, but that means I have to change the disc every once in a while. I might have to get up and burn a calorie. Walk <laughs> to the DVD and change the desk. Poor you. Poor you. So it's better to just keep paying that that monthly fee for the rest of your life, so yeah. that I don't have to I don't have to have the inconvenience of getting up and putting in a disc. Yeah, ridiculous. And, and yes, right, it is our fault. And what we and we find out that the movie Wall-E is basically going to be science facts soon with all these fat people running around <laughs> chairs not being able to move <laughs> you talk about my 600 pound life oh, or something like that yeah. 
But that's that's where and that's the issue. People is, want to watch that shit though. They do. So. But you know, so as we're you know as we're going through these infl- inflatable and this recession that we're hitting at the moment. You know, these things start to rise. And then the breadwinner at that time, these people weren't doing well. They, they didn't weren't being, have anything. They weren't they able to feed people. And of course, that gives rise to the, I mean, the thing is, if you want to if you want to put it into more of a Western terms, it's the reason why the Nazi party rose. Right. Yeah. Because of the same thing. The, the, the reason for the of taking I got him out of the depression. You know, well, that's a- that's what happens. You 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 start going through bad times. There's uh, a a strong man, loudmouth uh, politician that always comes out and says, "I'm the one who's going to be able to get you out of this," mm-hmm. and they scapegoat somebody else. Where mm-hmm. in the case of the Nazis, it was the Jews. Mm-hmm. They always scapegoat some minority group that's got nothing to do with why things are going the way they are, but it's easier for you to blame them than to take any stock in yourself and realize that the reason your life is in the place it's in is because you haven't done what you need to do to get out of it. But if, but if we tell you, Hey, it's this, it's this ethnic group that's causing it scapegoat them, tell people it's not their fault. Yes. (laughs) And clearly people have not learned from history. In this this movie though, I, I do like that the mother gets strong at the end and she grabs the knife. It's just like, fuck you, no more of this shit. And I did read where, you know how, remember I was texting you, it's like, God, there's no closure with this movie because, yeah. you know, they the families didn't end up together. But but I did also, um, what I was reading is when that happened, when Kabul started getting, uh, they started flying sorties over Afghanistan at that time a lot of the families became refugees and they couldn't find each other. So in essence, you were right when we were texting back and forth. They Hopefully they did find each other, but there's a whole series of books. And I really think, I, I bought the first one. I think I'll buy the others and read it. It's just really interesting looking. And the read looks really, and this, we should have done a book to screen actually on this because the book looks really good. But there, there wasn't really, I mean, there's not a happy ending when you have war toward anything. But the family probably does find each other. And I was just astonished at the resilience of this little girl who just, you know, she goes to get her father out of that prison. She, you know, has to fight that little shit from the Taliban. What was his name? How old are you? Why isn't she married yet? Well, quit looking at her. You know, it's quite simple. But you have to remember that um, it's the teenagers and the young men who always kind of go along with this yeah new, this, you know this new regime that what comes a hostile vile like those yeah, thing is, is they, they probably gets that, that family probably gets quirks yeah or you know the thing is if you become part of the regime and you go along with whatever they're teaching um and you go along with that your family probably gets extra food or extra money mm-hmm. or yeah that's typical politic government stuff but I did also like how she was reading because a lot of people were illiterate. And I like how to read, you know, they can read for you. I can write anything. And they were trying to sell their services. I thought that was interesting because I wasn't aware of, you know, that a lot of these people couldn't read and write. A lot of women prior to that had gone to college and were enjoying civil rights until the Taliban took over. So it, it, was, also, it was interesting how they explained everything in such a 
Well, I mean, if you if you Denying look at way almost, I mean, it, it's a it's an it's an odd system anyway. If you look at the you know this way of thinking that you know that women they have to keep their heads covered because before they weren't cut they didn't need to cover their head that, that well, they're, they're in full we're a full perda there i mean but, some but, they just only need to like, this happened this happened, in the, this happened in the 70s and 80s again where the women had to start covering their heads and the thing the funny thing about it is that when you think of the reasoning behind it is because you do not want the men to um, not be able to control themselves, and that's yeah. what's about. Oh, that's their problem. Why make it? Why put it off on the, the women? You know, that's clearly their own problem if they can't control yeah. where their blood flows. So why rape a woman to death because she went outside? And that's just it's just such a bullshit reason. And well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you know, but it's also the simple fact that is the idea is the idea that as far as women are, women are not human; they're a commodity. Yeah. Their their ownership. They're a bit like the family cow, and I mean, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm, I'm you know, I'm putting this down the simplest basic terms, right? Exactly. I'm a little bit more convoluted and stuff like this because you do have, we do have religion playing a, a small part. A lot. Of it. No, a not part a small part. Not a small part. Well, a, not a true part because it's all been it's all been whitewashed a, to their liking. Uh, I mean, I mean, let, I mean, let me before you know before we go to this, we're talking about. Any kind of religion, I don't care if you're Christian, Jewish, or whatever like that. But when you get to the extremist part of it, yeah, it's no good. It's no good. So we can't Radical say anything's no bueno. It's just not. So high. we gotta say. So I think that you know to to be safely to, to put this safely when we're talking about extremist Muslim, right. right? I mean, I think that we have to we have to make a you know we have to make an extinction between extremists exactly exactly extremist exactly. Muslim. So in all the religions, though, because there's always slut shaming. There's always a nut job. There's a nut job everywhere. You look. It's not even a nut job. It's it's baked into it because there's there's always the slut shaming. Even even you know. I know. What is it with the slut shaming? It's like because they fear independent women, and that's always been the case. If a woman is really intelligent, she needs to shut up and learn her place. If a woman is sexually promiscuous, well, who knows if I might be able to live up to to her expectations. And that's at the root of all of it. Whenever you hear anybody say, oh, she's disgusting, she's this, she's that. Dude, you want to do that disgusting shit with her anyway. You don't like if somebody else did it because you don't know if you're going to measure up. That's all it ever is. That's all it ever is. Um. I mean, women women have always been feared throughout history anyway. I mean, the witch, witchcraft trials. Yeah. Salem, they were healers. Let's well, not even forget the Apocrypha and all the books that were stricken from the Christian Bible because they were talking about strong women and they didn't want that in there. You know? Well, I mean, but if you, it's very rare that you'll see a religion that's led by women. I think it's most Except in witchcraft, people, like the Dianic traditions and all those other things. Women yeah, are pretty tight. But, but the funny thing about it, when it comes to religion, when you take the people who actually show up to the temples or the churches, it's mainly women. Which yeah, is well, you should see, well, you which, see the churches. We live on Church Row here. We call it Church Row. And I'm telling you, you see all these guys coming out of church, but they're the first ones at the bar. <laughs> they get out of but, but, but what I'm but what I'm saying here is is that 
the men tend to lead it, but the women are the ones that tend to re, re, squeeze it. The, religiously go to it. I mean, even, even if you look, you know, let's take the cap, let's take you know, Catholics for instance. Let's take the Catholic religion. If you go into a Catholic church on Sunday, you might see men, but it's mostly women and their children, old women. I well, see a I, lot that, of dudes in Catholic church, though. That could, that could also that could also be because the men are like, no, take the kids. I got other shit to do. Yeah, and, and you know that that other shit is oh, a. They, I'm the heathen in my women, because I got other stuff to do. I mean, it's like it's it's kind of a weird. But the thing is, and then if you look in the family in a family setting anyway, it's the women who tend to keep the religion very much alive with inside the family as well. So. So it's, a, it's kind of a weird thing. So like, like even like even when you're watching The Breadwinner, for instance, it's like the father's a lot more laxy daisy about things, really, because he's taking his daughter out yeah. there. But when you look at the mother, the mother's the one that's keeping everything in the religious. Right. And it's and it's like she breaks down towards the end when the father disappears and the you know her daughter has to go out, and then the, you also have the sister who's very tied into this as well. Um, you know, so it's quite funny that you take something that, you know, in effect takes women's rights and kind of squashes them down, but it's the women who basically hold on to the religion and keep carrying it over all the time, which is kind of a, think, which is kind of a weird thing, which is kind of really hard to wrap your mind around. Well, I don't think, think any woman in in any part of the Middle East enjoys uh, Sharia law. I've been to quite a few of those those big global talk things here in Dallas. I've been, well, back in the day when I was like a huge well, feminist, we only hear about I used to go to those things. But and really, I met these remember. women from Afghanistan and they will religion, tell you how bad it religion, is. Religion is enforced by fear. And if you have people who have, and this is another, this is another thing that, it, it, you know, prominent in this movie, what is the occupation of the father? He's a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Religion fears education. Absolutely. Against yeah. education. And yeah, exactly. the reason that a lot of what you'll see in these the women who are over there and are still going by all this, they're people who aren't very uh very well educated, probably because they're not allowed to be also. They're not, I know, exactly. Because education <laughs> equals equals sin, equals immorality, equals all that stuff. Because if you know that you're free, you're gonna tell these people to go fuck themselves. And yeah. if they haven't people telling the religious leaders to go fuck themselves the religious leaders are going to back themselves into a corner and then lash out and you're going you're, you're going to be seeing a lot of that over the yeah. next couple of years yeah. because it's like i said religion is ruled entirely entirely by fear the fear that if you don't listen to what what i am telling you huh. don't, don't look it up for yourself if you don't listen to what i am telling you god wants you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. You're going to be executed in the street for, for promiscuity, for whatever. That's the problem so, these days. You're being forced to have somebody else's narrative shoved down your throat, whether you like it or not. The women, the women that we hear from out here in the West are women who manage to break out of that. They manage to get out of that mindset and get away from that really toxic environment yeah. of you know, any, any form of theocracy, religion should never have anything to do with any kind of government. They no. should not. It should any, not. I totally agree. It should not. In any way, anything that cannot be proven should never have a seat at governance. No. And religion can't be proven. It's simply that. Um, well, so I guess yeah. it depends on who you are. Some people's experiences are different. 
And they would say it's been proven to them. So I can't argue with people if they truly believe they've experienced a miracle or the intervention of God. So um, I think, I mean, there are things in the Bible that some religions will sit there and say that they have the artifacts for to prove that it exists. The Muslim religions do have, you know, do have a, you know, the place that Abraham basically. Well, look at Jerusalem. It's got all mass. It's got the whole Kamsaba right there. The so, rock, you know? so, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm playing devil's advocate here anyway, but yeah. And so if it's you a, go, it's, it's a hot you go there and, you know, and uh, let's take, you know, let's take the Warrens. She's walking around with a piece, you know, a wooden piece of the cross saying that this is what gives her spiritual guidance. Yeah. And he believes that she, you know, I don't personally believe it is, but anyway, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know don't care much. what anybody believes as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. The Warrens who are the greatest fun artists in American history. So I agree with that as well. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, I, I, she might have believed it for instance, thinking that this is actually was that, or she, right. she here's the thing I don't, I don't think anything something. If you go, if you go see the, the, the Shroud of Turin, for instance, yeah. which you see, you know, you can sit there and you can look at it as two different things. It could be yeah. like weird or it's Jesus's shroud. But if you think of it as Jesus's shroud, this gives you scientific fact that Christianity is a real thing. If you go and see the, um, the thing of Abraham that the Muslims right. believe that belonged to Abraham, which is part of their religion, um, that gives them scientific fact that they're practicing the right thing. That's what I'm saying. So it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of everybody weird. has their relics and their, their things <laughs> that supposedly represent their tradition, faith, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I don't think any of the actual leaders actually believe any of this. I think they just expect you to believe it. Jump in, Dave, anytime. <laughs> Jump in, Dave. He's got his hand raised. Jump in, baby. <laughs> no, so I, I just wanted to say, from my perspective, I've always, the way I've grown up and the way I did my spiritual researches in my life, so I was brought up Catholic, but I got away from Christianity. I started and practiced, you know, Wicca, Buddhism, a lot of stuff. So the way I see it is, is that beliefs in general are personal like it's just like a spiritual path so you choose your path it's your life the way you believe etc yeah. etc and then especially in, in ancient times you had communities where they believed similar things created values created ideas blah 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 mythology to explain things and then evolved into science and it's right. great the problem is not the religion itself i think the project problem is the institutionalized religion which is kind of like a way to take the belief away from people making it as a rule as a law, as a way to make rules to people and say, this is right, this is wrong, but this is for the people in power. So it's a power, it's a power play, it's a power game. And right. they institutional or religious, whether it's Christianity, Islam, uh, the Jewish religion, whatever religion you want to talk about, it's got nothing to do with beliefs. It's a bullshit stuff written down for the people to follow orders and to create orders out of chaos, whatever. But then people take control over it and tell you this is right, this is wrong. Obviously, it, it's easier to say to weak groups, let's just say, like to women and say, oh, you're not allowed to show your face or your hair or whatever, because blah, 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 because the, the gender in power is the male you know, and then you make people just bow down and suddenly, oh, the weak point is the homosexual. You shouldn't lie in bed with another man, blah, blah, blah. 
rule, this is wrong, whatever. And then you have people being killed for whatever reason. It's got nothing to do with the belief. If you believe, if you go back to the ancient ways, or if you go back even to the origins of Christianity or Islam or whatever, they weren't as extreme. They were religions of no. peace. They were religions they were of harmony and love and helping each other. And For example, where is the forgiveness in Christianity? And then we live in society where everything is such... Everybody is so hateful. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that we've advanced so much and religion hasn't advanced. Therefore, like religion I said, is... they get to a corner and then they lash back out. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. But at the same time, you have a lot of people, including a person like myself, who's kind of left the institutional religions and started doing researches on myself, doing like, oh, I pick a little bit of that. A That's what I do. That's made for bit, myself. Yeah. I, and I do that, and I'm kind of like, oh, this is my way. I've learned some from Buddhism. I've learned some from the old ancient Christianity, some from the from the Jewish Kabbalah, for example, or whatever. And I take piece, bits and pieces and make it for myself, my life, which might not necessarily work for somebody else. But then even if we, we do believe in different things, we can... Well, it's hard leave, not to believe that space. there's nothing for some people. I used to ghost hunt with a team for like 20 years, and I've seen some fucked up shit. So I know there's yeah. some weird shit out there I cannot explain. I don't know because if it's religion. It's all... I just know that there's something else I've experienced. Too many but things that... that I could not explain but away. Doesn't mean it's ghosts, though. Just because. Yeah, well, we... it doesn't mean that it's not. I've got video. I've got but pictures. Besides, I've got. I'm I'm not, got but that's, not, but that's not the way scientific investigation works. It can't be. It can't be a leap who's of science. Who's science? Or ghosts? That, that's. But who's science though? Is it somebody telling me? Well, you're not scientific. So, ergo, you have not experienced these things no, but then, because you did not approach it with a slide rule. I just know I've got video, I've got I've got voice recordings, and other people were there. I had skeptics. I mean, there were skeptics well, and everything. We well, just happened to, for just 20 because, years to experience things. Just because you can't identify it as something that is, oh, God damn it. But, it, but, it's, a, but, it, but it's a presence. Doesn't mean it is a spiritual presence. Um, the, the, what I what I find is 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 the issue with with religious people, and it, this is across the board. The the really religious ones, the really ex that again, like Keith said, this is the real extremist ones. Psychos, yeah. Notion that because my my holy book says you says you can't do this, therefore you can't do it. And like no bullshit. You believe that that means well, I don't have a problem with the Ten Commandments: "Thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal." I mean, I don't have a problem with any of that. I don't have any. Pro I don't have any problems with those because I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, common yeah, sense, basically. But if the only thing keeping you, the only thing keeping you from killing people is the fact that you think you're going to go to hell for it, then there's something wrong with you in general. Like you shouldn't like the, the thought shouldn't even cross your mind of actually wanting to murder somebody. We all joke about it. In a normal world, yeah. <laughs> I would we joke hope. about it all the time. But but the fact of the matter is, what your religion says shouldn't have any bearing on what I do with my life because I should be if I you know, I wanna fucking go have an orgy with seven women today and they're all willing, <laughs> then for God's sake, I should be able to do it. Yeah, uh, you should. And because your religion says it's wrong, doesn't mean I need to not do it. You know, <laughs> that's ultimately the, you know, uh, your, your religion says I, oh, I, I, I get you. I get your religion says I shouldn't drink. Therefore, I shouldn't have a Jack and Coke at the end mm. of this podcast if this I want is, it. Yeah. But this is exactly the problem. I agree Whether with you. Once it used to be guidelines, let's call it guidelines. 
Now they made them as laws, books and rules, institutionalized, and they imposed them on other cultures, people, etc. This is the problem. So you want to believe, again, I don't want to offend anybody because I have my own beliefs as well. But then right. if you want to believe in flowers, fairies, ghosts, whatever, it's fine. Every yeah. person has the right to have their own experience. But you cannot and you must not impose it on other people. This is the problem. And when you institutionalize religions, that's what they do. This country is Christian, so everybody should have the fucking cross in the classroom. No, they need to pay taxes Disagree. like everybody else. <laughs> I, my, my, here's my issue with that. Here's my issue with that. If you if they start paying taxes, then they are then they are buying a seat at the table, and I don't think they should have a seat at the uh, table. Ah, well, I think they've already bought a seat at the they table. I agree with that. I think they already, unfortunately, have a seat at the table. I mean, you know, you got. I mean, I think, I think, I think religion is a good thing. If you, if 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 you look at it through a simple fact, the problem, the problem, I don't think religion's a bad thing. What I find I is, either, but don't what go I find what's bad about people who follow our religion is that they don't read the text themselves. No, so they got you know if you look at the Bible, for instance, you can take right. a, take any phrase in the Bible, you take any three verses in the Bible, and the thing is, you can turn and twist that any way you want to because of the way it's written. And and which is what they do. And if you think of the simple fact that there's 90,000 happy passages in the Bible and there's only something like 8,000 negative passages in the Bible. And when you got if you got people pushing these 8,000 negative passages over and over and over. And and then and another thing is, is if you're going to if you're going to push these 8,000 negative passages, well, it's mainly most of them are mainly in Leviticus anyway. Right. you're going to push these things forward then you're going to have to push the whole thing forward because you can't you can't cherry pick choose because the thing is like that's that there's a man who lies with man as a woman shall be punished you know that could be bisexuality bisexuality adultery it could be anything you know depending on how you want to look at it well if you're going to go along with that and and, and basically crucify a certain group of people because of whatever you think this believes in then we're going to have to, every time a woman remarries after the husband dies, they need to be stoned to death. Every, Somebody, I mean, this is anybody who, yeah, anybody who wears a garment made of two different, uh, two different types needs to be, anybody who works on Sunday needs to be stoned to death. You know, so I made this meme because you guys, you know, I like to post funny stuff. I didn't post this because it would start a shit storm. But somebody sent me this David in the Psalms be like, quote, your love for me, oh God, is everlasting. Please castrate my enemies and throw their families into a pit. Praise you for your loving kindness, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, castrate and, my and, enemies. <laughs> and, the, and another thing is, is that you also have to remember that, you know, when you look at the Jewish and Muslim religion, for instance, that's Old Testament. So that's evil God. Yeah. Um, that's God. They're that talking does. about a different God. They're talking about a God pretty much like the Muslim God, as far as I'm concerned. Well, the no, that God is, is a totally different they, they, they God pray, that shows they, up. They, they pray. They, they pray to the same God, for instance. Anyway, right. I mean, um, and the thing is that the reason why the split happened is because of because of a Jerry Springer episode. Sarah <laughs> couldn't have a child, so she they bring. She in this, got pissed off. Yep, they banished Ishmael's mother. Everyone's happy. The original wife gets pregnant. It's pissed off. 
fucking son, this is your son now. So, you know, and Abraham being a That's weak actually man. what started this whole shit show, is that bitch in the Old Testament named Sarah. It's all her fault. All this crap is her fault. Because she well, threw the slave woman out into the wilderness with Ishmael. And it's never stopped. <laughs> That's where that split happened, apparently. So basically, but that's at the same time, they're still praying to the same God. And to be honest, they have a um, their religions are not that separated if you look at it. I mean, the thing is, the way they killed their meat, same way the head covering, the women cover themselves with a wig, the women cover themselves with a cloth. I mean, there's a lot of similarities are nonstop. And then we get to Christ, and then we got now we have like a forgiving God, the forgiving God situation, situation. And, and you're kind of going, okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, then, but then if you look at within the Christian religions anyway, I mean, you know, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, so on and so forth, they all different. <laughs> yeah. You know? I ain't got time for any of that anymore. <laughs> oh, but then again, but then you have to also think that you know, and the, and the Christians will sit there and say this and that, and you can't do this, and the Catholics saying you can't do that, and so on and so forth. And as you carry forward with that, the funny thing about this is, is that they all wear a cross, and it is forbidden by the Ten Commandments to pray to an idol. Love your neighbor's wife. Well, I mean, that's a good. Don't <laughs> His wife all she wants. I covet everybody's husband. Have you seen some of my friends' husbands? I covet all the time. <laughs> as, long as, as long as they don't act on it, there's something wrong. No, because you have common sense. But all, but also, my my philosophy is it's not my job to keep her loyal to her man. That's true. It is not. <laughs> but no, there's that a, is true. Quote, there's a quote from Christopher Hitchens, and it's my issue with religion in a nutshell. Is uh, his his boiling down of uh, of extremist religions is the true believer will never rest until the whole world bows the knee. Yeah, that's, that's my that's why I'm not into any of this Sharia bullshit. I, just, no. Dude, keep keep your religion to yourself. If you think that what I'm doing is immoral and wrong, well, that's on you, bro. I don't give a shit what you think of my lifestyle. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And my lifestyle is none of your goddamn business. Just like that at the beginning of this movie. Why why isn't this little girl married? Because her father's an educated man. And he realized, no, I want you to be able to, I want you to enjoy your childhood and tell stories. And, exactly. and uh, those poor girls being married at six and nine years old, that's just disgusting. I'm sorry. That's just disgusting. Go ahead, when David. You, when you think, oh, yeah, go ahead, David. No, 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 no. You finish, you finish the. the the thing you were saying in the mouth. What I was going to say is that when you consider why these marriages were so young back in those days, because life expectancy was like 20. Oh, yeah, but still a six-year-old so girl wanna... is not equipped to be. No, absolutely not. You know, you... absolutely not. She should not be. A, a, you know, a child should not be expected to carry a child. It's disgusting. It shouldn't happen. Children should be allowed to live, live their lives. I mean, obviously, when they get to be teenagers, hormones are going to start kicking in and, you know, they're not emotionally responsible enough to do anything. So there should be like, there should be, you know, line in the sand laws being like, okay, at least wait till adulthood. I'm totally <laughs> Do you, or at you know, least you know, 13 something i mean to the girls at least somewhat developed it doesn't look like a prepubescent boy and you know what the problem i got with that and i'm even gonna say it i don't give a shit anymore you guys know i don't care what anybody thinks 
the the thing I don't understand about this 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 Taliban bullshit is why they have man love Thursdays or why they decide that you know they can have boys on the side when it's supposed to be women are filthy but the boys are not. I mean, all this stuff that's been brought to my attention by some of my friends. Not about women being filthy. It's well, about- that's what that way it was explained to me by my mid eastern friend. Well, it's about keeping women pure. Well, the yeah, they don't care about purity. They're all into rape and stuff. That's all they oh, care about. Oh, it's it, fucking uh, for sin. It's the it's way the, it is. So to rape, to rape, they they to rape a woman is they rape women who do not follow the rules because they're tainted because they're let's, let's just kill their stuff. I'm not saying they're saying. I get what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You have to kind of look at the ideology behind this. And the ideology basically is that the women are pure and and women. You know, just this, a bunch of savages as far as the I know. Thing about, okay, <laughs> well, if you look at the Taliban thing about um, the women need to be pure and they need to be untouched unless they're married. And then, and then once they're married, then their their purity stays within that family, and so it doesn't, you know. And that's the reason why they have to keep themselves covered. And the purity within that is you also have to take in the bigger effect, the simple fact of, you know, if you commit your suicide, if you commit suicide um, for the cause, then you're going to get so many seventy-two birds. virgins. That is just about. That was before Lenny got up there for Motorhead. But you have to to look at the ideology behind that. 72 untouched, pure women. Personally, I would want to be, I don't, you know, nothing's worse than one virgin, let alone 72 with it. And you know what happens? Somebody's got to know what they're doing. Well, no, the problem basically is once you have sex with a virgin, you know what happens? It's like you can't get rid of them. They're cling on to you because it's like, oh, yeah. You're so mean. You're mean. Anyway, it, the, this was a well-done movie, though. I, it did I, I, present I, I, everything quite well. <laughs> they, did, they did. Don't you guys think they did a good job with this, though, without interjecting personal, personal, what they, what a person thinks? It was really just told as a story, no matter what. There wasn't an opinion. It was a story, and I liked that. There, there, there is an opinion. There is a strong opinion. Well, there's opinion. an opinion, Taliban evil. I get that. <laughs> But what yeah, I'm saying is they did birth. it without trying to be offensive to people. I mean, and they only, tried to tell a story. A the only problem, the only problem I found with this, with the movie and with the the book per se, is that I kind of wish it wasn't written, directed, and produced by white people. Oh yeah, I read that. But there yes, was an Irish an Irish woman directing it. An Irish woman directed I it. it. I, 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 I think, uh, a left wing Canadian wrote it. Yeah, um, I did see that. That explains. Um, and you know, and um, and it's you know, and the thing is, is like, and I kind of wish that there was more. I kind of wish that that there was. F- well, Angelina Jolie had got into involved with it. Too. Yeah, she was one of the. Angelina thinks she's saving all the Afghani women. I guess well, no, I she doesn't know. save them. She takes them off. She takes them to America and adopts them. But the thing is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is, uh, I find it, it would have been nice to have, you know, some Af, you know, Afghanistan. Yeah, it would um, be nice. Survivors or something yeah. to have more of an input on this because at the same time, I thought they I, did a good job I, with it. Though. I really, really like the film, and I, I think it's excellent. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking. No, away. I know what you're saying. I didn't know that they didn't have any of the. But when I did research and I realized they didn't do it. 
I don't know if I have now been fed a lot of propaganda. I've met women, and like I said, it's women's summits here in Dallas that are from there. This is all going on. So I mean, I'm just saying this, this it's true. Doesn't, I've I met these women. I'm not saying that it's not true, but because you don't have some indigenous people involved in this. Well, story. they're all tribal. And then what, the, what the story is trying to tell you is what we've been, just been discussing. And that's what the story is perpetrating along with, you know, you know, a, a, a human interest story with a girl fighting against all odds to Right, right. Die. And I liked you know, it though. It'll be a bit like watching Coco without any Mexicans or Spanish uh, Spanish or Latin Americans being involved. Right. Which incidentally, that's the movie that beat this for best animated feature. Yeah, Coco. I saw that. You know, and it's a, you know, and I guess looking at from a, the thing is, is I think that if, if we're talking, if we're talking about this 20 years ago, it'd probably be a different kind of. Probably kind of, would be. You're probably because, right. It's very, very important that people of, you know, ethnic or people who are marginalized voice should be heard. That yeah. should be by the people who've been marginalized and probably not from a westernized person who's who were who's looking in on oh, I agree. I agree. Looking at it from an outside window. It's like judging yeah. your neighbors, but how can you judge your neighbors if you're not living your neighbor's life? True. Very so true. That, I'm not I'm saying that saying that that's my only gripe about the film that I can say. I didn't know that. See guys, I knew Angelina Jolie went over to Afghanistan and tried to do some work with women. Don't know how much about that. Don't know much about Angelina. Like her movies. Don't care about her politics. But I, I saw what she was trying to do, and I, I don't, she, I don't know how helped, that was. Received, she helped but. put the money together. But the book is written by a, and she. This is what she calls herself: a left wing lecture Canadian. She lives in. Canada. I didn't get that. I didn't get that gist at all. I, I kind of thumbed through. No, 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 talk about this. Um, this is what you know, this is what's on her webpage. I mean, that's right, um, she, right. she's probably calling herself that, that. I'm not saying that I'm not judging. I know her. what you're saying, I just didn't get that. We're getting I a version, we're getting a westernized version of a situation, which I mean, she's probably 100%. I just thought it was well done. I didn't notice I any think, of that. I just think it probably would have been nicer to have more of an Afghanistan voice. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought uh, that's what I thought that they were have advisors, people advising. And, that that's going to bug me. With, well, with me, the only the only thing mm -hmm. that I could say to criticize this film is that I felt that at times uh, like like I felt like it could have been a little more straightforward of a narrative. Like I, I get what do you why mean, Joe? the um, uh, you know, the callbacks to the uh, the story about the Elephant King and all that. Right. But I felt that that could have been tamed down a little bit so that they could have told the story more more straightforward. I feel like it. I feel like it didn't like need to be there. Like I understand why it was the elephant there. story. Yeah, I felt like you could have just told the story straight through without it. You know, because it's. I understand that it's there to comfort comfort the uh, the little infant child, and I get I get all that. Right. I, I I felt like it was just like okay, I I. I, I he I just understand got, without yeah, having to parallel it with, with something else. It kind of reminds me of a, a Disney story plot point. So because sometimes they do that in Disney, where it's like they're fighting something, and all of a sudden there'd be this other kind of fairy tale going on to push the person to for their. 
I've, 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 I've seen the story device used before. Maybe it wasn't Disney, but I've seen it used before. Right. You know, they're using this. Or maybe Big Fish does it. You know. Oh yeah. Fish, oh my gosh, Big Fish. Yeah. So uh, you know, and, I, and I've seen it a couple of times in other things as well. So I thought to myself, "Is like okay, yeah." So I've seen this story device before. Though I did like the way that. The, the way they did the animation for when she's telling the story. I quite like that. The, the mm-hmm. change in animation. I like that. I absolutely agree. I love the animation of this. The animation was beautiful. It really was. You know, it was different too. I know there's different types. I'm not really, I don't know much about the animation process. I know what I like. And this was kind of different, but it was seemed kind of old school. Am I, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't <laughs> old school, but you know what I mean? Without, I'm not trying to. I loved it, but it was different. Yeah. It wasn't like Batman. You know what I mean? Or, or yeah. you know, like Pixar. It kind of, of reminded me of um, and it felt like it was done through, not construction paper, but kind of like, like that kind of an animation paper. I didn't kind of, yeah, but it's very kind of like very two D animation, like a children's. Yes, like that's the word I was trying to use. Thank you. Animation. That's what it kind of reminded me of. So, I liked but, it though. I guess we should probably rate the um, breadwinner. Starting with you, Davide. What do you rate the breadwinner? Am I still allowed to, to finish that thing? I wanted to say that. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Say whatever you want, baby doll. You go right ahead. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. It's just, to, I promise, just, it's just to finish that. I don't like it. I'm careful. <laughs> I say that again. Say it again. I said, if I don't like it, I'll mute you. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, just to summarize, for when we, we were talking about the, you know, fight of religion and freedom, etc. Just mm-hmm. the pro, I, also, the promise. This is the last thing. The problem I also see is the fact that obviously institutionalized religion, specifically the Christian one, we can say, but also works in the Muslim world, especially for extremism, etc. I think the way I see it is that we take, I mean, we. The institution, the religious institutions take things as literally as they can to make rules. Whether I personally think, and this is something that I've been researching a lot recently, especially uh, the like the Old Testament, New Testament, and stuff like that, they are in, they use encrypted language. You shouldn't be taking this mm-hmm. stuff literally. They are like wisdom to be imparted to people, which is one has which one has layers of understanding. So you have the basic lore, which is like the mythology that's explained, and you can take it as it is as a story. And it's also related to a culture that's like thousands of years ago. And that's the context of that story. And second, um, you have deep wisdom, which is beyond, you know, that the simple story of itself. But you can't take things literally. This is why we suddenly create extremism when people are ignorant because it's about ignorance and they take it literally and say, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. Shut up with the bullshit of wisdom because people don't care about going beyond the surface of things. And it's just easier to start blaming things and start seeing patterns that don't exist or whatever. And just say, this is the rule. This is written in the Bible. It's like that bullshit. Well, this has a, you have to put a context on things and understand that one, it's based on a culture that's thousand, thousand years ago. And then second, on top of that, the Bible is an anthology of stories that's been layered years after years after culture after culture, and it's been created by multiple writers and multiple people who wrote 
multiple things and make, and then they all make all mixed together. In fact, you have a lot of things that are in antithesis with, with each other. So taking things like a Bible as a, the absolute book of truth, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. I take it as a book of wisdom of things that you can learn from or get inspired by, but, and, and I'm not Christian for the love of God, I'm not, and I'm happily not Christian, but you can take some wisdom from these books, but that's it. If you take a literalist, I'm making rules out of it. I'm sorry, that's BS. And that's what institutionalized religions did, especially extremisms as well. And this is why I'm not I'm pretty much against religion. I mean, I come from a Catholic country and a lot of limits that we put in the country in terms of culture, in terms of the way people should behave or should see or whatever, it's all based on religion. Instead of religion, shouldn't shouldn't be religion. It should be like everybody follows his own path and then, you know, and then you have your own experience in life. This, this is the way I see it. Mm. But, we, but we'll never be able to have that because religions do not want that. They want you to follow their rules. And that's and my that's big the problem. And that's the problem. Well, the thing is, is that before is, is that you, if you're going to, no matter what you decide to follow, you should always read the manual. If you're not, if you're just going to follow what someone else says and not read the manual yourself, you kind of deserve everything that happens to you. And most, I think, more importantly than following the manual is try one, try the other, try the other, try the other, and pull some wisdom from each different path. I think it's that's the best way because you can compare and see the common grounds instead of just saying my book is right and your book is wrong. Well, what made me? What what made what what really drove my hatred of of, of organized religion is being in a Catholic school and reading the Bible. Yeah. that's more than anything that drove me away from it so i'm like mm -hmm. this is bullshit all of this is bullshit no pun intended with the jesus thing jesus but uh reading the bible cover to cover you do that that's that's gonna make you realize what a bunch of horse shit it is i had to read it cover to cover i was in catholic school for 10 fucking years i had no choice but read it they, cover to cover it has made me the person I am today. <laughs> you know, they, they do, in Italy, I think back in the days, I don't know these days, maybe they changed it. It was mandatory to do religious education. And religious education... CCD, they to... called it over here. How do they call it? But it, was, it, but it wasn't... Catholic. What was that key? Was Catholic yeah, it was called, it was called CCD, I'm but it wasn't... Catholic. I'm a Episcopalian, so our Christianity is totally different from all yours. Oh, like you for, think you're better than us all of a sudden, eh? Well, no, our religion, our religion is that first of all, we don't, we don't, we don't believe that you need a middleman to reach God. That if you want to talk, I to don't God, either. I don't either. We don't have, we don't have crosses or anything in our church because that's praying. I to, love all that ornate stuff. I think the statuary is beautiful. Yeah, but I'm just saying this is about our religion. I'm not saying are my religion's right or wrong. I know what you're saying. I just love the statuary. So we don't. So we don't. So we don't pray, and our preachers and our the religion i was brought in are only allowed to read you the verse of the bible but they cannot tell you what it means oh they don't do a homily or the big you know crescendo at the end uh, of that, the that, to us that's a sin in our religion and what because the thing is is your your relationship with god is what you make your relationship with and well, that seems fair to me and I know, and knowing me as a person, you probably find this very, um, very. Not at all. I know you will. But we're not allowed to judge either. So if someone does something wrong in our religion, we're not allowed to talk about it, discuss it with them, and we're not allowed to shun them. I didn't so, know Episcopalians did that. Yeah. So someone, so someone goes and murders 
their next door neighbor. Not allowed they, to talk about it. They come in the church, and that's not that's not for us to decide anything about. Oh, okay, that. just 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 for shits and giggles, because I know how women are. And I mean, we've all got our neck craned out the window when we see a squad car. So you're telling me that nobody ever discusses anything. They don't gossip. They yeah, don't say They anything. don't. And they're saying they're not supposed to. Okay. I'm just wondering. Just wondering. Clarity. Clarity. The Bible, you're not supposed to anyway, no matter what. Oh, judge the, not, lest you be are, judged. You're not supposed to judge anybody else. The biggest, no, you're the, not. The biggest sin that all religions do share is that you're not supposed to judge anyone. Yeah. And that's the one thing that all religions have in common. Because it's human beings. It's not the religion. It's people. It's just people. Well, yeah. Well, but, if, but the thing is, if you think about it, you know, you if if the biggest sin is to judge and every religion's breaking that sin, what's that telling you? That means so far that everyone that, Everyone that's religious or something like that and they're judging means that basically the biggest sin in God's eyes is to judge someone else. Y'all you know the saying, judge and, not lest and, you be and, judged, and you know? Happen, and, you, and you do not, if you're a Christian and you do not ask for forgiveness for doing that, or you're in another religion where you don't, where you're God. Oh, you not. want to really blow people's minds. Get out there and tell them that Jesus Christ, you know, was not this guy that walked around with his hands folded, didn't laugh, didn't smile, didn't do anything. He's just got this facade. And then you go into the theoretical stuff of the Apocrypha where it looks like he married Mary Magdalene and might have had his own progeny. That blows fucking heads off of shoulders all the time. I mean, I love the anything, If anything disqualifies the Bible, in my view, it's the fact that there's human editors that went, yeah, we're just going to take this book out because we don't want you to read yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Because if there really exactly. is, if you, and that's why I say religious leaders don't believe this stuff. Because if they actually believed that their that this text was the word of God, then, they, then they'd be like, well, I have no right editing. To take it out. Exactly. Well, and the only why record, Mary Magdalene was have. not a prostitute. I just need to tell the world that she was not a prostitute. Well, they nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, they said that she is a prostitute. Said she was a fallen woman, which could be a number of things. No, she was not. There is not one passage in the Bible. What you, everybody confuses her with is the woman that, that was chasing, getting chased down the streets, and they were going to stone her. Mary Magdalene was not a woman of ill repute. The Christian church made her of ill repute because Jesus loved her. And they did not want Jesus looking like Jesus was doing the nasty with some other woman unmarried. But all rabbis were supposed to be married. So why would he be different is all I'm saying. So let the hate mail begin. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I mean, is that kind it's of, a fascinating theory. Does that, does that kind of look at it anyway? I mean, the thing is, is like... No, I don't care anymore. I was brought up that like a pair of shoes. If it fits, or if it doesn't, yeah, works for me. Works for um, me. The thing is, I just like arguing with Catholic I, people. I personally think that what's happening <laughs> is that we're all gonna die. Everyone on the face of the earth is gonna die, and we're and if there is an afterlife, we'll probably figure out that we've all been praying to the wrong god anyway. That Zeus is the one in charge. Now, people are gonna probably really surprised when they do die. <laughs> Like, what the my my only my only regret about religion is that the hell that these evangelicals push on people doesn't oh, actually doesn't I know this 
for them to burn in in the afterlife. I because know. When you're making life, mi- when you're using religion to make life miserable for other people, exactly. you deserve the very hell that you're preaching. I totally and agree. I, and I said that when uh, that that scumbag, uh, what, what the, Joseph Ratzinger, po, uh, the, the, the pro previous to this one, I said it when he died. I said it when Jerry Falwell died. Every single one of them. My only regret is that the hell that you c- keep telling people they're going to go to doesn't exist for you to burn in for all eternity. You yeah. fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> I know. I was raised on hell. So I get you. Totally get you. It's the worst thing you can do to a child. It's awful to tell them that the devil is under their bed or they're going to burn in eternal damnation because they stole a fucking quarter at lunch or something. You're some bullshit like that. I've never agreed with that hell stuff. So you're going to get me going on to another tangent, Charles. We better stop. We probably should move on then. <laughs> The only, the only question I, I think I mean, we've already gone two hours on this movie. Yeah, we have at least an hour and ten. But but before we just move on, I think it's important to know that all religions are the same that way. They are. I could tell you right now that you know if you look at the reason why people don't eat pork or shrimp is because back in the day they couldn't refrigerate it and people were dying, so it became part of the religion, which they never. You should never follow anything that doesn't update. Just put yeah. Way. You know. Yeah. You know, and my question, basic, my biggest question in religion is about Moses. God should not have given him the Ten Commandments. He should have gave him a fucking compass because it took him how many thousands of years to figure out where the fuck he was going. (laughs) So anyway, let's get back to reading the book, the movie. So hey. you give it. Okay, I would give it a definitely strong five jihabs. This movie, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'll just say that anyway. Cancel it. So I'm just going to give this movie five stars. Please cancel <laughs> what I said. <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? I think I'm also going to go five. My 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 quibbles with this are very minor. It's it's. I think the storytelling could have been a little uh, a little more linear. Um, but that's, you know, that's a choice the, and the film still works overwhelmingly. So yeah, I'm going to give it a five. And yourself, Vix? I'd give it a five. I thought it was well done. I really enjoyed it in a sad kind of way, somber kind of way. I'm going to give it a solid five. Um, and I would urge everyone to see it, even though I do have a slight aversion that it'd be nice to have some more. People. Input from the the native the natives of the, the area, yeah. The story's telling about. I would like more of that, but that's the only gripe I have. But I give it a solid five. So. our next movie which is a bit more lighter affair which is called the house with its walls which is a 2018 american fantasy comedy film directed by eli roth based on the 1973 novel of the same name by john bellars it stars jack black kate blanchett owen vilcaro renee elise 
Goldsbury, Sonny Sidlake, and Kyle McLaughlin. The film follows a young boy, Lewis, who is sent to live with his uncle, Jonathan, in a creaky old house. He soon learns it was previously inhabited by a villainous warlock. Universal Pictures released the film in the United States on September 21st, 2018. It was a box office success, grossing over $131 million worldwide and received mostly positive reviews from critics who largely praised the cast, but said the film did not fully live up to its potential. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The House with a Clock in His Walls and be right back. You'll see. Things are quite different here. Hello. You're Lewis, I presume. You'll see. Things are quite different here. told Lewis everything? Well, not everything. Have a look around. You're perfectly safe. As long as it's fed. Hello, welcome back to Leisure Legends Podcast. We're discussing the house with the clock in its walls. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of this film? Uh, well, I'm glad we. I, I watched this before I watched The Breadwinner, and I'm kind of happy that I did because this was um, this probably would have paled a little bit in comparison. But overall, uh, really, really enjoyed it. I love the set design. I love the cast. Yeah. Uh, this was this was fun. It started out a little a little slow for me. Like I felt like this was Eli Roth trying to do a Tim Burton movie, but by I still feel like that's kind of the case. But by the end of the movie, I ended up really really enjoying it. Um, it's a fun little movie that I can totally see watching with my nephew around like Halloween time. Yeah, uh, you know, so one one of those kind of you know safe Halloween movies. It's definitely uh, safe. You don't expect it from Eli Roth either. You know, no, we're talking about not at all. Cabin Fever, Thanksgiving, which is uh, coming out this weekend. Uh, Green oh, Inferno. I guess he just wanted to make a a lighthearted, um, lighthearted horror movie. Kind of, kind of reminds me of like old, like old, like Halloween TV specials that like we would watch as kids. Like that's yeah, kind of the after like, school special stuff, kind of sorta. 
or the, the you know the live action Disney horror from like the uh, the seventies and eighties where the, it was a little dark, but it wasn't anything Bad. anything too crazy. Um, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, I really like. I like in anything. And when I when I saw him flipping through the book and I saw a picture of Kyle MacLachlan, I just let out a loud yes. I love him in almost anything. I love my Agent Cooper. Um, and Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, of course, is phenomenal. Thing. Does she ever mispronounce anything? Is she just like always perfectly spit out lines, or does she appear to spit out lines? I'm just, I mean, I she just she always seems like she's one of the most organized actresses. I guess I want to say, I just never see anything wrong with any of her performances. I don't know why. No, she's always spot on. I love that about her. She's yeah. fantastic too. Um, I love the little interplay uh, between her and Jack Black, where they're constantly making fun of each other, like two best friends. Yeah. Like you know, you you know they you, you insult get, each you other all the time. Friendship between two people, you're gonna have that constant like ball breaking back and forth. So I love yeah. that about. I would her. never know what to do without a friend that didn't insult me at least once or twice a week or publicly, globally on podcast. You know. <laughs> I feel I feel like people don't understand. Some people don't understand that. It's like, no, if I if I don't like you, you don't exist. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break your balls if I don't like you because you don't exist in my world if I don't like you. I I don't think about you. Um, so there's always a little like I I, I wanted to break Vicky's balls about the of human bondage thing. Oh, of course, bondage is in the title. Vicky's gonna check it out. <laughs> well, I just never expected human bondage out of a 1934 Betty Davis movie. That's all. Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, check it yeah. out. It was good. I love the ball breaking. I love the ball breaking between the two. Yes, I, I like that too. And you you kind of get the the difference because they juxtapose the, the the friendly ball breaking between Jack Black and Kate Blanchett with what the kids are going through and being picked last. And you know, there, yeah. there's nothing more mortifying when you're when you're in uh, middle school is being picked last in gym class. And in this case, he's picked after the kid with the uh, the kid on the the walker crutches. <laughs> it's oh, awful, uh, d- double awful <laughs> joke. Um, and uh, Eli Roth manages to get in a uh, a piss joke, a vomit joke, and a shit joke. Yeah, even even in a even in a children's movie. I remember the first time, uh, you know, the the first time he goes, something smells of sulfur, and then you know the. The the hedge lion shits out a bunch of leaves and yeah and was, yeah the hedge lion I forgot. Sean was sitting nearby and he's like well Eli Roth got his shit joke in I'm like we knew he was going to um I'm sure I'm do sure that? I'll get he, Thanksgiving he do that in a, the Green Inferno I didn't remember seeing that anywhere in there I haven't seen the Green Inferno since I saw it in the theater so I'm sure there were shit jokes in there, there, there I'm was wondering I'm gonna have to watch it to see if there's a I shit joke it. in it now. Woman gets diarrhea in the cage, and they go, "No, not in here," and they keep pushing her around. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, okay, you're right. It's always in there. Eli Roth has. I didn't know that. I learned something new again today. I always do. It's also in Cabin Fever, Hostel, one and two. Yeah, there's there's always Hostel. A little bit of shit humor. The Um, first one. Yeah, where he he runs to the bathroom because he's losing it, and that's where he gets taken. That is that is like one of the most unsettling movies. Is all of them hostile movies? Isn't it amazing that this is a movie made by a director who made some of the most unsettling movies in history? And this is a kid. And he makes a Disney type movie with 
happiness I, I and glowing. And... Type of more, more maybe like more maybe like a Tim Burton type movie. Well, it was kind, kind of dark though, didn't you think a little bit? The kid did lose his yeah. folks. That kind of dark fairy tale aspect that Tim Burton puts into his movies, like this fits into that world, like like Edward Scissorhands, and you know we talked about. Yes, Big yeah, yeah, yes, it does. Um, I like though how Jack Black was saying, "You don't have to brush your teeth. There's no bedtime. I don't care if you throw up. You can eat all the cookies you want." I mean, this is everything a kid wants to hear. You know, it was, it was just I like I, I enjoyed that a lot. And that that also sets up how how betrayed he gets when the kid breaks his one rule. It's like, man, yeah. I don't give you any other rules. You can do whatever the hell you want. Just do not open that lock and play with the Necronomicon. Yeah, like, the Necronomicon. The ultimate freedom. Yeah, everybody don't needs a Necronomicon. Look, I don't care what you do. Just don't raise the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which he gets into. I love that. I, uh, Jack Black is fun in this, too. He is. He is. I, I mean, it depends on what movie he's in. If he sometimes he rubs me the wrong way, depending on what he's um, playing. This is, is there's there's Jack Black seems to have two different things going on, uh, two different personas. You got the School of Rock, Jack Black, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And now recently, we kind of got this family film Jack Black coming out, you know, with goosebumps and this and um, kind of a dark family film though, because yeah, the yeah, other one's yeah, the other goosebumps. yeah. And so, which I think he's, I think he's, you know, he's kind of shifted into this role. And he's done it quite successfully because he seems to be fitting these. And, and he's also in, um, what was that? Dumanji, the second yeah. one. He's excellent in that, you know, and that, that was, that was very clever. You know, they go into the computer game and then <laughs> it's like, they get, they get, the girl gets transferred into Jack Black's body, doesn't she? <laughs> so so yeah. that was well done so, um, so yeah so he's kind of gone from you know what the, you know where he was here in the 90s and early 2000s and now he's kind of gone over to this role and i i think it actually suits him quite well i think he did well i i, I kind of like him this kind of character he does good he's you quite see me do this all the time because you know, Eddie Murphy did it. Eddie Murphy went from doing, you know, like Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and stuff like that. Uh, to Daddy Daycare. Yeah, then you get to Daddy Daycare and the clumps and stuff like that. And Robin Williams uh, did it. You, you look at Robin Williams' early stuff. He is raunchy as hell. And then oh, God, yeah, yeah. A transformation into family films like Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire. And then he transformed again into like Oscar winner Robin Williams. So he yeah. actually had a couple of transformations. Like Good Morning Vietnam, that's like one of my favorite. Robin yeah, Williams. well, yeah. You you look at Good Morning Vietnam, and then you 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 know you track that to Mrs. Doubtfire. Those are completely different movies tonal. Yes, yes, they are. And look at the first film he did, which is my favorite. One of my favorite films is The World According to Garp. It's just totally different. I love that. I haven't seen that in like twenty or thirty years. Oh my god, it's been so long since I've seen that. And then you see what he ended his career on. You're like, God, he went really dark. <laughs> <laughs> like insomnia, yeah, insomnia. Like uh, oh uh, yeah, what? I forgot that that movie. He was such an asshole. Mm. But he suited that role. I quite, I preferred the, I preferred him in those roles than I did. The, I uh, hate watching him when he's he's the villain. I just, I just have such a hard time. What's an role. amazing range he had? Mm. He was an amazing person. How gifted? I mean, and how sad to lose somebody like that. He was such a gifted person. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the only th 
I like this film a lot. The child is become slightly annoying a little bit. That's the only that's the only thing I it. that's the only thing that um he just can't not, stay out of shit. He's gonna touch. I don't know, I don't know if he's a bad actor or it's the way that it is written. I think but it's the, the way he's written. But the thing is is the problem the problem basically is is that I think that if it's the way that it's written, then I kind of wish they wrote it a bit better. And if it's an actor, I wish they kind of found a better actor. Only because only because the child is the one that you see in every single scene. Yeah, this is the this is the movie about the child. Yeah. Uh, and so you have them in every single scene. And so and the thing is you don't want them to you don't want them too cute, but at the same time, you kind of it's a bit like Twilight, for instance. I'll, I'll go back to Twilight. You can say it's bad. You gotta cast bash Twilight some more. <laughs> it's not so much that, but the thing is, is that the main character, Bella, is so annoying. She's yeah. an annoying character, so it's really hard to get on board. And I know a lot of people did, which has yeah. fine. But the thing is, if you're stuck with this character and you're seeing everything through their eyes and you and you get this character in every single scene... You then, have a choice. And sometimes, you know, you it's, it's a really delicate way to care that you need to carry it i mean we do i mean if you look at the previous film the breadwinner we're seeing we're basically we're seeing this girl through the whole movie she, she's doing the same thing as the boys doing in this just we have an animated character the first one this one we got him so it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to do so i'm not sh there is a whiny quality about the boy which i kind of wish that that whiny quality wasn't there because I don't think it needed oh, to be little kids yeah. kind of whiny. Yeah, because yeah, in the breadwinner, she goes through a lot worse than he does, and she just pushes through. Yeah. This kid starts whining because he's the he's not popular in school, and he just wants the uh, the the kid who just won the uh, the, the school election to like him. Mm -hmm. So things in perspective, and that's, and that's yeah. one small problem I had with the film because at that point. This character is supposed to grow at that point because what he's done is he's brought evil into the household and everything like that. And there's there's got to be this for sorry, um, this part where he gets redemption from what he's done. He has to pay for whatever that forever what he did right. because there's so much. He puts everyone in peril because of it. Yeah, but lesson you, learned, supposedly. You don't get that in this film. No. He doesn't even get his hand slapped. Not at all, the little and, shit. I think that that's the that's the only thing that this film kind of lacks. It kind of needs that. You need that redemption moment for him, so that way you know that okay, he's he's accepted responsibility that he's done something bad. Yeah, I'm not saying that he needs to go to jail. All he had to do was one thing, not touch one thing. But so you know, what, you know what it is. This is this is first world problems right here because you always, you always hear the term first world problems, right? Uh, but this but this kid's the epitome of it. This kid's whining about minor things while the while the little girl in the other movie is like, I'm be you know my I just witnessed my mother being by by extremist religious thugs. Yeah, and I and I'm just gonna have to care. I'm just gonna have to pull through. With this I got, kid, I, I, want, I got white, I got white middle class American kid problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I've I've often I've often made that joke uh, about a lot, of, especially where where I live, which is you know predominantly you know upper middle class, you know upper area. middle class waspy people, and it's like, dude, you you with well, the things that I hear people complain about, I'm like, bro, 
you have no idea <laughs> what a struggle is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But yeah, that's that's what this movie is in comparison to the other one. This is the white suburban kids, you know, you know, uh, first world problems. We'd all want first world problems. I wish I could sit in the lap of luxury and bitch about it. Yeah, I know. But I'd I guess- be amazed how, how much they bitch about it. But I guess I thought to myself, it's because he's we got it orphan. here in Dallas too. Because he's an orphan and living with this, you know, living with his uncle for you know whatever. And I thought, well, may you know, you know, thinking back on this, that well, maybe they're cutting him some allowances because he lost his parents. But then at the same time, it's kind of like he needed to grow. As I, if the character had a little bit of growth, the movie would have hit it, hit it out of the park. But the character- he's supposed to be. Well, the thing is, the the character ends up being the same way he is at the beginning, at the end. Right. Yeah. There was no lesson learned, I have to admit. He summons the dead, raises all kinds of hell. He either has become a bit more responsible, have a more of an understanding of the world he's living in, or the fact that... um, Boundaries, don't touch people's shit. But, just but like I that. feel like I feel like the, the 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 parents being dead wasn't didn't really figure into not much his personality a lot. Like I, I understand, uh, you know, not like uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne kind of thing. Colleen you know? Camp yeah. as the uh, you know uh, the big reveal at the end is that Colleen Camp was actually Kyle McLaughlin's wife, and she was uh, showing up. Like you know, when the mother's showing up, you know it's somebody's messing with him. You know that it's not, you know, it's not really the mother's ghost because why would she wait until now to show up to him when he when he's in this house? So it's somebody. And at first, I thought, okay, it's going to be comic. It's going to be revealed that Kyle McLaughlin's uh, ghost is pretending to be the mom. No, it's it's the you know Colleen Camp is his wife pretending to be the mom. Cool, granted, I'm fine with that. Um, but besides that, it never really it never really figures into his personality. We never really get like the depth of his like when when my i was you know in my 20s when my mother died mm-hmm. and i was a lot more broken up over it than this fucking like 10 year old is yeah he's like, not started, broken up at all really well he cries he's sad he's obviously he cries a little bit but but i don't feel like his mother and his father dying have a lot that, i kind of want because we're getting a 1950s orphan and the 1990s orphan because you know, like, like when you see old movies and you got like the orphan moving in with the, moving in with a relative, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like stiff upper lip, get on with it. <laughs> Are we kind of getting that kind of an orphan? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess it's kind of. So I'm, I'm, so I'm kind of. Well, wondering. it didn't seem like Jack Black was equipped to take on a child either, but he really didn't have a whole lot of choice, I guess. Oh, you Colleen know? Kemp says right at the beginning, it's like, wait, you're caring for a child? Yeah. I mean, I guess what I guess what I would have liked to see is that you have this other girl in the playground who's open to what this boy believes in and what the boy's saying, and then you got the boy who doesn't is not interested in her, but at the same time wants to hang around this other pelic of a kid who's a bit of an asshole, who's you who kind <laughs> of yeah, because you know once his arm gets fixed, he doesn't want anything to do with him because yeah. he's a weird kid. Well, what, and, well, once he once he wins the class election, if they don't really do is the nerdy girl. There should have been some kind of thing where she either comes and helps him save the day or something where they, you know, and that where it's like he realized that 
then you have like the story that you can't judge a book by its cover that basically your friends can come from anywhere if you're open to it or whatever that message you're trying to portray mm -hmm. would have but she kind of nothing really happens with her either she kind of just left over here on the side sort of thing and it you know and you think that why is she there to begin with it you think that they're going to bring her into the story and she's gonna you know like and they don't do that, which I guess is a good thing that they don't, you know, because that's kind of a traditional thing to do. But the same, then, but then at the end of the movie, you're kind of going, well, what was she there for? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, you know, and I guess if he had, he had some kind of retribution or an opening or an ideal, an idealized why or uh, or strength within him that grows because of the experience he's been through. It's fine, but it also felt like it's open ended, and there, this is a series of books. Yeah, like, 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 like with the with the little girl. Like, if she was the one who helped him learn how to control his magic, that would have mm. been something that I would have like appreciated a little bit more. Because she really doesn't serve any purpose. Uh, and I'm wondering if this is a series of books. All it is, this is the first in the series of. Oh, 12. it is about a senior looking as own as a book. Yeah, okay. So that makes a little bit more sense than that maybe... No, there's that more chapters. Wait a minute. When did this come out? 2018? Yeah. And it made uh, a lot of so maybe there is a chance that a sequel might be in. Or a sequel uh, wasn't. Hope not. And then COVID hits. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. But it, but it says here in the notes that basically it was a box office success. It was or not? It was. It was. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything to be honest. It grows sixty-eight point five million in the United States and sixty-two point nine million in other territories with a world gross of one hundred thirty-one point five million against a budget of forty-two million. Oh yeah, that that's a that's a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder if there were if there was going to be a sequel or something, and then COVID uh, and all the lockdowns kind of put the kibosh on that. And this is the best opening and box office that. Eli Roth has had in any of his career. Really? Well, Even makes... Green Inferno. Mm. Green Inferno was. I mean, the, the, I mean, it makes sense. Did this he not do well? I mean, well, you know, the, the, we're, not, we're not saying that um, the other ones were bad. We're just saying that this made the most money. It was most successful of his career. We're not. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't. That doesn't mean that the other ones weren't a success. Is that they probably didn't make you know. You know the hundred thirty one point five million dollars. Well, yeah, a PG movie is gonna is gonna do better at the box office than it's all counterpart. Just because you can bring a bunch of kids to it, whereas you know you're not bringing your kids to Green Inferno. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't. Um, I mean, and Hostel and Green Inferno and Cabin Fever. I mean, you know, they're not that's they're not even for your casual horror viewers anyway, which. Well, of course, when they're because if they're not for your cat, you know, they're not for your conjuring group of people, as that's going to narrow your audience a little bit as well. These are for kind of the diehard horror people, which is Inferno didn't even have like a wide release anyway. It was like you know one or two. It was theaters. weird. Yeah, it was it was a very limited release, so that's definitely not going to be a huge box office movie. Um, I didn't realize it was limited. Really. Well, uh, I it's going to be limited. And I mean, it would have been limited anyway with people seeing it because it does take a punch at left wing politics, a definite punch there. And it also, so, you know, it that, also very strong. It also has very, you know, very extreme violence, which is not going to, um, 
you know, that, like, like you said, it's for hardcore horror fans. You know, it's for the people who have Cannibal Holocaust on Blu-ray, you know? Yeah. I like That's... the music. <laughs> like oh, the Cannibal Holocaust? Stuck in my head. No. <laughs> I mean, to, to the point where I think he even had Ruggiero Diodato uh, do a cameo in this movie. It, uh, not, not in this movie that we're talking in, in Green Inferno and in Hostel too. Yeah. So yeah, movies like uh, that are be huge box office movies. But saying this, I think this is the first film that I would see Eli Roth as a decent director, though, because I like Hostel and I like Cabin Fever. And I do like Green Inferno, and I and I, I you know, I, I watch, you know, if Eli's Ross names on it, I see a lot of stuff. Um, but if I'm looking at the way like cinematography and the way things are directed and stuff like this, I say this is his most professional looking. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, and so and so this get you know, and this at a bigger budget than usual. Makes me look like I mean, it's not that I don't think he has any talent, but it makes me show that he has more talent than I thought he had. Well, more more than he more than he shows because he expanded his horizons too. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, there's a lot of people who are not able to go from B pictures, which is what he is. He's a, he was a B director to go from B director and go on to an A A director and do be very successful at it. There's very few horror directors you can actually accomplish that, and he's he, and it shows that he's got he's got a lot of tricks in his hat and a lot of tricks in his bag. Well, the which, um being taken under his being taken under the wing of Quentin Tarantino is certainly uh certainly a big part of that. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I mean he uh you know Hostel had Quentin Tarantino presents above it. So in two thousand five that meant a lot. That probably means a lot uh, now. Fever was David Lynch was was built that. David oh, Lynch was that David Lynch um produced um Captain Fever. Oh I didn't know that. Um, Eli Roth worked with Dave, uh, with David Lynch, and he was um, working with him. And um, and then when he wanted to do his film, David Lynch said, "Listen, I'll help produce that for you." Um, and Lloyd Kaufman also he he was a kid who was uh, working in Troma in the late nineties and early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So, so he's you know. he's had, he's had the mentoring, uh, you know. Yeah. David Lynch and Quentin Tarantino are a listers, you know, so you're going to have, you know, when you have those guys behind you, you'll, you'll be able to make the transition from making, you know, B movies to making a level movies. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what so, they're saying. He is a bit, he is a bit hit and miss. I mean, cabin fever was his first thing. And though it's a good film, there are, it's a bit problematic. Hostel one and two. I think that the success of those riles basically because they came at a time where torture porn was just starting to make its name. Right. So they rose for that. But then if you look at the clown and some of those other stuff, they're good, but they still lack a shine. They still lack, you know, he's still finding his feet, I guess you could say. I haven't seen clown yet. And I haven't seen knock knock yet. Those are uh, probably the two I need to see. I don't know if I've seen clown. Is that, that, where's that? Is that streaming somewhere? Yeah, the clown is about a um a guy a father who. Oh, uh, is that the guy that puts on the suit and he turns into the clown? That is such an yes. That's a fucked movie. Oh my god, I love that movie. That is so disturbing. I love it. <laughs> so you know, so when you take that into consideration, and then you know, then he's giving a family movie. 
Which basically, on it, this is not like Toby Hopper's uh, Poltergeist, which is like right. a horror film made for family. This is a family film, a family, family film, like P, not even a PG. Like, Toby like, Hooper made a family film? Well, that Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Is, Poltergeist. But as close as it gets to family, I guess. What I'm saying. Roth didn't direct Clown. He only produced it. John Watts directed it. Oh, okay. So he produced it. So he went, but, yeah, he went on to do the Spider-Man movies. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so when you look at someone with the back track record that he has and been able to pull this off, I think... And it looks good. I mean, there every 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 you know the cinematographer that he's got doing this looks good, and everyone does their fantastic role. And to get Kate Blanchett to come on board, that kind of been yeah. easy. You know, she's so good at everything she does. I loved her in just about every movie that woman. I love her in the, the Benjamin Buttons. I think she just so good. In that. I love her in, mm. in any Lord of the Rings films. I just she's just such a well gifted. Poor Ragnarok. Um, she was the villain in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, she was, wasn't oh, she? Yeah. Oh, she was. Oh, that's right. Okay. My favorite scene with ba um Kate Blanchett of all time is in Bandits, where she's singing "Total Eclipse of the Heart" <laughs> in the car, while with the one with Bruce Willis and um, Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm gonna have to YouTube it, I guess. Oh, Eli Roth has just sent a message on Instagram. Speak of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Voice message as well. So, um, but um, but you know that I enjoyed the film. I think that if it, I think I'd be interested to see the generation that saw this movie. Is it going to be their bed knobs and broomsticks or their Mary Poppins that we have yeah. for, our, for the films, yeah. or Willy Wonka for our generation? Is that going to be yeah. that? to them because you know it'd be interesting to see because the thing is really Wonka was dark when you think about it too even the, the Gene Wilder version I mean kids were getting fucked all over the place and hurt and everything else gets into the chocolate machines and thrown into tubes and I mean that was pretty dark for back then for a little kid's story Willy Wonka the chocolate you think it's just about candy but no all these little brats you know, get with their comeuppance, and it's a lot of it's kind of violent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when you look at that at that generation of, of of kids' movies, there was always a little bit, of, a little bit of a yeah. like you had escape escape uh, to and from which mountain. You know, you had yeah, Return yeah. You had the Watcher <laughs> in the Woods. You had a lot of stuff back then that that you know, kids' movies back then were darker. They were, but they had big change. Sorry, oh, sorry, I have to say it now because I've been waiting and waiting. I just could not stand this movie. This is one, one of the most disgraceful movies I've ever watched. The one we just watched for this podcast. There, oh, was, no like life there was no Me? life lesson. There was no teaching. There was no progression. No growing. There was no lesson learned. I, will agree. I agree. No lesson learned. We all agree on that. But yeah. I just compared to Willy Wonka, there was some sort of life Willy lesson. Willy Wonka was just fucking genius. Oh, it was darker. Was it was fun. darker because life is a bit darker. You're you got to learn something. You're looking at the original Willy Wonka? Yeah. Lessons are a bit better than in Tim Burton's Willy Wonka. It's your Tim Burton's. I didn't really like it as much, but it was different because uh, Tim Burton is yeah. different. So. Well, I mean, he, you know, Willy Wonka is kind of bizarre anyway because both versions, he does give off this pedophile vibe. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe they want you to think that. I don't know why they do that, but I wonder if it's on purpose or if we're just sketchy people ourselves. <laughs> to be honest, I think I think it's Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, if you look at anything that Roald Dahl, Dahl has done, whether it's The Witches or Willy Wonka or BFG. The Witches, or, yeah. Or, Game <laughs> the or so on. That was such a good movie. I love The Witches. But his his stuff is very very dark, and if you are a fan of seventies horror TV shows, Tales of the Unexpected were all Roald Dahl stories. God, I, I actually, forgot about those. Are this vibe from this movie to the point where at the end of it, I I had to look up. I was like, was well, this based on Roald Dahl? Because um, I definitely got that vibe from this. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I think that I like that. I and I I do agree with you. That this movie. I did enjoy the movie as far as just watching it goes, but it won't hold anything in my heart. Because what I think I was hoping for is when it started off, I was hoping it would be something that I would cherish and want to show people later on. But I don't really feel that way because it's not. I can tell you that two, uh, two or three months down the road, this film is not even going to be a footnote in my life. Yeah. I was gonna probably let Asher watch. He'd probably enjoy it once. Where, where, whereas the breadwinner is one that I will remember for like. I will remember that because it's so intense and it just really sears that optic into your brain of that little girl, and it does a great job at doing it. Whether I don't know who made it or what they're, what they I just thought they got the point across really well without pulling in a bunch of politics into it, which I truly appreciated, and it just told the girl's story. This is this little boy, like Davide said, this kid is a little shit. He really needed a spanking. <laughs> he needed a spanking. That, that, that was Pete that said he was a little shit. Yeah. He's a little shit. He needed his ass beat. You know, you know what I kind of wanted, though? Because it's because it's set in the 1950s, is it? I think so. But the dress I was going yeah. by. So I think what I think what it I think maybe this is what I'm missing for it. But when you got something that's set in the 50s, you kind of want this kind of reclective kind of... The B-Vision version feeling? Well, you, you kind of get these feelings like when you see something in the 50s, like one of my favorite movies is My Dog Skip with Kevin Bacon. Like that, yeah. But you watch it and that's set in the 50s and it's about this boy and the dog and it's got um, Frankie Moons from um, Malcolm in the Middle, a little boy from that. Right, right beautiful film and it's set in the 50s and it has that you know that joyous 50s feel about it or a christmas story that's set in the 40s you right. know so watching it has that 40s kind of surrounding for it so it makes you makes With you the cars and the big light bulbs on the christmas tree yeah it makes you yearn for that's the simpler time um nostalgic lady, maybe what it gives you that nostalgic feeling of like when you watch the lady in white you're like you know, even though I love know, that movie, even though it's got this hor horrific, you know, storyline going in it with, you know, the ghost and the pedophilia and all the other stuff going to it. But you you watch and you get this nostalgic feeling for that time period. Exactly. And, it, and they get it across so well, too. And in this film. You don't get the nostalgic feeling. That's I think that's what's missing. That nostalgic. I think you're right. It's kind of got that bed. Bed knobs and broomsticks kind of vibe to it. Or, or it kind of does. Or more that Tim Burton vibe where everything kind of feels artificial. Y yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. That's a good that's well, a good point. My problem with 
outside of Edward Scissorhands. But my problem with um, Tim Burton films is that there's always missing heart. Some there's a missing heart. There's always missing heart. Dumbo. Knows there's no feeling. Sort of like you know, there's, there's no, no heart. Feeling. I love Beetlejuice, but there's no heart. I, I I agree with you, but I think it's it's three movies of his that actually have heart in there. Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, and Big Fish. Yeah, Ed yeah. Wood, definitely. Yeah, I'll give those three. But that's three out of how many films? A lot. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I I I, I mean, I love his films. I'm not taking. I mean, I love Sleepy Hollow. Oh God, but, I love Sleepy Hollow. I look at it and I watch it for the magnificent thing about looking at the sets and everything like this and the actors and everything. I like, like that. The, the the what is it the Prussian? Is that what he is? The Prussian. Everyone in that movie, I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> but I love watching it for the the showmanship. I like Christopher Walken's part in that movie. He's so scary looking as that Prussian, whatever he is in Sleepy Hollow. He just scares you. So, it was so. okay. I'm glad I watched it. But um, so that's the only thing. I mean, guys, that's I think that's what this heart. I think that's what this film is missing is that nostalgic heart in the in the centerpiece of it. That's a good point too. I I could dig that. I think that if they had that, and I said before, I think they could have had that if the little boy realized that this getting getting the friendship of this dickhead of a boy <laughs> instead. In case went to someone who has a bit more heart and the more of a central of the story, which would have been the girl. Right, saves a day, and they force their way together, and they and they solve the you know they solve the the mess that he's gotten himself into, and they become great friends or whatever may happen there. I think that would have given you the 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 emotional center that you want, but you're yeah. But as um, I don't know, Kate Blanchett's awfully feeling in the movie. I feel I feel feeling from her. I feel heart from her. If he died in the middle of the movie, would you? I wouldn't have cried now because there wasn't that kind of evolution in the film. But even, but even with the simple fact that when he's missing his parents, that would have been a good time for Jack or Cap Kate Blanche's character to give a little bit of warmth, maybe. Yeah, the motherly feelings vibe. It's almost like even when even when the boy messes up, you know, Jack Black for whatever reasons doesn't even you know. You know, Kate goes, well, you know, he's a boy, blah, da, 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 da. But there's no emotional interconnection with them at all. You know, and the and the boy doesn't even plead to to plead that he's sorry. You yeah. know, his his reasoning. He could have at least apologized. I fucked up. I know. Well, he did say. He, does. he did say. You know, yeah. he shouldn't have gotten in there. He shouldn't I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it, but I wanted to be, I wanted to help the popular kid. And then that, that would have been a perfect time. It's like, well, you know. I can't remember the kid's name. Let's say Charlie Buckets because I've got Willy Wonka on the phone. Well, you know, Charlie Buckets, that if, you know, it's not important if people like you, they should love, you know, you should just be who you are. You never need to impress someone or whatever that message you want to give and have that little bit of a scene in there, which probably would have given it the heart that it needed. But saying that, I think it looks fantastic. And I think everyone does a good job in it. I just think there's a slight disconnect with the script somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on this. Is that it's one of those movies where technically everything looks beautiful and everything works. And yeah, like like, like you know, like I said, this is first world problems. The movie, in in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. it's like, dude, okay, listen, 
you, you're, I'm letting you do whatever you want. You just can't do one thing. Do not raise the dead. Well, I'm going to raise the dead. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's no repercussions for it. And you're never quite sure why he has the magic anyway. Why he has. And that's another thing. It's kind of weird because the parents die. He goes live with his uncle, but then he's able to carry on doing magic. So you never get that. That never. You don't never understand why he's able to do blood magic. Yeah. Well, I think in his case, it's all just learned because he, he gets it from reading the books and talking to his uncle. Yeah, but yeah. but his uncle and Kate Blanchett at one point talking about that it's something that is goes through your family line. Yes. So, so, so a little murky. probably do is rate it that's what i'll start with you vicky how, how many stars do you rate this oh i'll give it a 4.5 just because it was good clean fun and it was feel good movie and sometimes i just have to have some lighthearted stuff because i'm just like getting a murder miss murder and getting dug up in the backyard kind of shit that i watch actually i'm watching a series now buried in the backyard <laughs> it's like six seasons of death i just can't stop watching it but yeah i thought it was a lighthearted film i liked it I'm glad mm-hmm. I watched it. And what about yourself, David? Day? <laughs> okay, I'm going to be the black sheep. I'm going to give it a one. I really <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> you friends. are such a tough audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, obviously, movies that can kind of leaves you some sort of impact of emotional something. Or at least life yeah. lesson. There was nothing. Yeah, I thought it was, the story was too silly. It was kind of like already done before. So there was nothing original. Um yeah, there was nice I magic. Could, in the yeah, fantasy. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean the fantasy, the the magic was okay. Don't get me wrong, but it's all special effect. It's like, okay, I've seen that, but what else have you got? So I, I just didn't really enjoy. Figure out why they put a clock in the wall. But yeah, I mean, but just also, to torment. Sorry, sorry. Just to torment Jack Black. That's true. That's true. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then, um, even the the actors' choices. I mean, Kate Blanchett. He's an amazing actress. I think she was wasted in this movie. And then Jack Black, although I like him, I didn't like him in this movie. It just gave me this sort of like holiday silly Christmas movies, which I really didn't, I'm not into. So I did I did not understand. Even, and, and I'm sorry, please, please you're going to hate me, Keith, but I'm going to say I didn't even understand why we're comparing this level of movie to The Breadwinner, which was incredible. I did not understand why are we comparing the two? I mean, I would have compared them. the breadwinner with movies like Osama or Kite Runner. Or based like one Osama is like an old Afghanistan movie about I think it was a, a person who changed gender, hiding like a girl dressing up as a man. And then Kite Runner was an Afghanistan I mean, story about trauma. I mean, basically, the breadwinner is just an Afghanistan version of Yentl. Yeah. That now oh, you're right. You're kind of right. Hear me, Papa. Can you see me? I'm sober. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really, really didn't like. I, I think also maybe I'm being a bit biased because I watched it on the same day just after watching Breadwinner. So I had the feelings of Breadwinner, and I would not watch this one. I was like, "What is this?" 
So maybe, maybe well, the whole point is they're dark families. Let's face it, being involved with the Taliban, it's got to well, be pretty dark. Honest to yeah. you, reason being is I hadn't, I had not seen either one of these films. Oh, uh, okay. Is that I oh, know maybe. that, both, and I know that they did very, okay. very well. And so when I was putting films together and stuff like this, I have to go by uh, taglines and synopsis. And on paper, both of them are about two children who break away from the adversities of the situations that they're in. Oh, that makes sense. Help save the day for the situations they're in, which that's how that's how the breadwinners described, and this is how this is described. <laughs> but yeah, but this is what I mean. It's they didn't describe story. it well. They didn't describe it well. They're just second. Um, I mean, the boy does come through and does save the day, I and mean, he's an orphan. And the breadwinner, she's kind of an orphan fighting for her family situation and that kind of same kind. Of, so right. so they are like two kids who are kind of dumped into a situation that they're not inhabitable for situation. Yeah. But, of course, when she wants to view them, of course, she realized that they're two very extreme different kinds of movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. For, for someone I didn't realize... It looked like they would actually fit together, sort of thing. I, I, first of all, I didn't realize you never watched it. Okay, makes sense. Obviously, you kind of go by the synopsis. But for the second one, I'm sorry, but there was your uncle's girlfriend who fixed it with all with magic. I mean, I didn't really see the kid doing much except jumping on the mm. gear or something. I just, I just didn't like it. I really didn't like it. And um, what about yourself, Joe? What do you give it? Um, I'm gonna go. Th- Three and a half, maybe, because yeah, it's not perfect. It's not nearly as good as um, as the breadwinner. Um, nope. I felt like this had, you know, this this was a lot had a lot more fluff to it, but not enough to where I didn't like it. Um, I I did feel like this was, I, like like you said, the synopsis is comparable. I feel like this is more the first world problems version of it. Right. Uh, but that being said. Like like Keith, I, I'm not thrilled with the story aspect of it. I'm not thrilled with the screenplay. Um, I think most of what I liked about it is the look of the film and the performances of the film. Like as like a technical, the technical aspects of it, I'm absolutely uh, absolutely enthralled with. Uh, just I think it fails a little bit in the uh, in the story department, and I, uh, I and like Keith said, there's no repercussions for anything. It, uh, the, the things happen, the kid doesn't change, the kid doesn't need to change. No, there's Nothing no lesson to... learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, so maybe three, maybe three instead of three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, you know, I enjoyed watching it, don't regret it, but like Keith said, it's, uh, it's kind of fast food, you know, I'm not going to remember it later. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Whereas The Breadwinner is going to be a movie that I'm going to suggest to people. Oh, I'll definitely suggest it's very good. Well done. I'm also going to give it a three and a half. Um, I there's one thing I want to do. I had to go out and buy a copy of this, which I'm you know I'm glad I own a copy. But I would like to see it with who, the audience this is aimed at and see how they feel about it and see see if they get something that I'm not getting. Um, because that will be interesting and um. But if they are, if this movie was produced as part of a series of films and that's the way the film is the way it is, I think then they made the film wrong. They should make each chapter like that's the last one ever going to be made. 
Yes. So that makes that's sense. The problem I have with, with films in general now is that I is that everything's geared towards uh, you know continuing the story in the next one. I'm like every every film should be able to stand alone, so that yeah. if I don't if I don't want to watch another one, I have some kind of closure to the story. And if I if I decide to jump in and just watch the next, you know, I, I've never seen the, the first one. I put on the third one. Okay, yeah, I'll get it more if I watch the first two, but I don't have to have watched the first two. Well, you got, that, TV, you got TV series to do that. You need to do with film. I, I, I'm not... I'm you, not can, a, you can introduce a character in a TV series and then and then and then explore and just for like one or two scenes and then you can explore that in this in the second season if you want to in a film no yeah exactly <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not a fan of of, of fil films becoming like episodic television and you know yeah. marvel out i'm not happy with that either Boy, marvel yeah they're getting slammed for that last one here they <laughs> But see, I'm kind of wondering if that if they they are were are planning this only because now they realize there's twelve books in this series, and you look at if you look at who this is aimed at, and you look at Hunger Games, you look at the Maze Runner, you look at Harry Potter, yeah, and you, and you realize that these are all films based on a book series. So, I mean, there's no talk of another another. A next chapter coming out, which is kind of bizarre because they just made so much. This did very well, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Got to so, you got to figure it's been five, six years. That little kid has grown up. If yeah. there was going to be a time to make a second one, that time was during the time when the yeah. entire was locked down due to COVID. Yeah. Uh, so this might be this might be a series that could have been, but COVID could have been. Yeah. You're so, right. brings to the end of literature license podcast next month we are breaking our program and we're interrupting because it's christmas and we're going to our morton de costa series and our two for one will be two Mar morton de costa films those will be um the music man from 1962 and the film that would end his three film career which is with robert preston the island of love from 1963 i love robert preston <laughs> and of course, I'll, I'll book the screen. We'll be covering uh, Anti Mame by Patrick Dennis and the film Anti Mame from 1958. And of course, we'll be continuing uh, our anthology series with next month being two films about cats, which is The Uncanny <laughs> from 1977 and Cat's Eye from 1985, also known as Stephen King's Cat's Eye from 1985. Doctor Who will be continuing its um, storylines with The Time Meddler and Galaxy 4, which aired on the 3rd of July to the 2nd of October, 1965. As also, we'll be covering Batman the Anime Series. We'll be covering the following episodes, The Demon's Quest Part 1 and Part 2, Fire from Olympus, and Read My Lips. And, of course, that will take us into the anthologies for December, which we'll cover in next episode. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Good night, Davide. Good night, everyone. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week for Anthology, Uncanny, and Stephen King's Cat's Eye.
And I 